Let's do it. Hello okay? and thank you so uh, much. Yes, for we're you're listening to this, this is, is a, a work uh, work 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 work. <laughs> okay, so you may uh, have detected by the unusual combination of voices you're hearing that Gina, host of This Is a Takeover, is here without her partner, and I, Robert, am here without my partner. So, listeners, as you can clearly tell. And if you listen to This Is A Takeover's last podcast, Shelby announced that she's getting close to her due date. And, well, it's here. I, I'm i going to let her, when she ever, whenever she comes back, talk about, you know, little girl. And I'll let her introduce her and talk about that. But, yes, she had the baby. There was a surprise debut for a new member of the Patterson Stable. <laughs> but, yes, so... Um, for listeners who, you know, know I have mentioned my husband, ladies and gentlemen, and all friends that listen, this is my husband. This is Robert Bradford, who is the host of This Is A Work. Hello, hello, hello. And we today are combining our powers of super awesome wrestling, and we are going to be talking about the latest pay-per-view from AEW, which yep. is... Forbidden Door. Ooh. Perhaps no better place for a little uh, inter-podcast crossover. Um, Gina, I recall you and Shelby covered this one last year, the 2022. We did, because this is the one where I sobbed my eyes out, because who debuted? Claudio Castagnoli! I love that man so what much. What a year he has had. I love him so much. And we will get to his match in due course, but oh, first... Oh, yes, we will. Carrying over my little tradition from This Is A Work. And where you got it from from us at takeover yes i have not fully <laughs> succeeded in erasing that from the history yet no that is true so robert what are you drinking tonight i am drinking toki suntory whiskey a Ooh. japanese whiskey considered kind of a uh, one of the founding whiskeys when the uh, practice was first brought to japan oh there's a really interesting history of whiskey making in japan kind of dating to after the end of the country's isolation period uh, people were sent out, traveled to Scotland, brought back the recipe, and it's more than we have time to get into right now, but uh, just uh, something that came from the outside world back to Japan. Japan gave something back to us with this pay-per-view, and I'm having a little sip of this tasty whiskey while I talk about it. Oh, that's lovely. I am having a Spindrift Spiked Sparkling Water. Um, so Spindrift is... A little bit different than most seltzers because it has actual juice in it. So it's not just the essence of passion fruit or the essence of tropical flavors. It actually has juice in it, which I prefer. So this is delicious, refreshing, and I think it's the best way. Here, let's, let's cheers. Sure. Oh, there we go. That was a nice little clink, but it wasn't too loud. And while we're doing unpaid sponsorships, I shaved with my <laughs> Harry's razor this <laughs> morning. Not, and it, no. no, no, we are not that podcast. No, we are not having a. Sp no one is sponsoring us. I mean, if someone wants to sponsor us, they're welcome to sponsor us. But. I was gonna say, just you know, listen to all the free samples they're getting. Mm -mm. Harry's has enough money; it's fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, so Forbidden Door 2023 in Toronto, Canada. This is the first pay-per-view that All Elite Wrestling has hosted outside of the United States. Uh, I should say co-hosted in this case. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, because New Japan is also 
running the other half of it. A meeting of talents on neutral ground, primarily American wrestlers, meeting primarily Japanese wrestlers in Canada, a country that, you know, nothing bad ever happens in, so it was just agreed as a safe place they could all meet. He has this thing where he pretends to hate everything about Canada, and there's no reason for it, because our honeymoon was in Canada, so he just needs... I don't understand. Yeah, they were on their best behavior then. I don't understand. <laughs> All right, so Forbidden Door. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, let me ask Gina. Um, kind of going into this pay-per-view, did you have any knowledge of just sort of the Japanese wrestlers? Because I know for me, I follow All Elite Wrestling. I keep up with WWE on social media. Otherwise, internationally, eh, a bit of a blind spot for me. Most of the stuff I've learned is from the previous Forbidden Door, the first one. Um, so I did see a couple of faces that I recognized. Um, Ishii, um, and then the Stone Bulldog, and ah. then, um, you know, uh, I knew about Okada, but that was mostly because Shelby was like, ah. Ah. and so um, most of what I learn about wrestling in general is Shelby going, ah. <laughs> So she's like, I have to tell you this. I have to show you this. So for the most part, a lot of the new people that came in, I had no idea about. Um, but I think Japanese wrestling is one of my favorites. I'm always going to have Lucha be like at the top for me. But based on just character and the way that they delve into the art itself, I have a high respect for all forms of wrestling from Japan. So... Agreed. And I think we definitely got to see some of the best of it. Absolutely. Uh, best of it on Sunday. What's really interesting is last year's Forbidden Door was considered to be a pretty big success, despite the fact that you had a lot of people who were, you know, top people from both promotions weren't able to make it. Like, yeah, that was crazy. CM Punk was out with a foot injury. Danielson <clears throat> wasn't medically cleared. Oh, well, we'll get to him. We'll get to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> um, so that was still considered a pretty wild success. And then this year was... Um, the one where you actually, okay, you had the dream matches. You had uh, yes, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. You had um, Okada versus Danielson. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it because while it actually was a very brisk pay-per-view, I was shocked. I did the math on this. The average match length was 15 minutes and 29 seconds. And, and this grandma right here still fell asleep at the end and had to go back and watch it later because that's what happens when you're almost 30 years old. Yeah, I miss the Saturday night pay-per-view days, but I guess now they've got Collision to set everything up. Mm, yeah, Kara just gave a resounding yes. <laughs> <laughs> just the full, really aggressive head nod. All right, so yes, there were uh, 13 matches on this card. There was one, including the items on the pre-show. A uh, match between Adam Cole and Filthy Tom Lawler was announced, but unfortunately had to be canceled at the last minute. Uh, it did specify, thank you Tony Khan for specifying this, because if it had not specified, I was about to lose my mind, it said that if he was out for illness, not injury. Illness, not injury, which means cold. Adam's got a cold, baby. <laughs> no, you even made that joke while we were like prepping for this, and I still... Damn, I made it while we were prepping, laughed. I made it on Twitter, and I've made it just now. I still laughed. Damn it. All right, so yeah, that... uh. Lawler did uh, get to work when he showed up there. He had a dark match prior to the show. Yeah, where he, we missed that. Yeah, I didn't know about that. It wasn't part of the broadcast or Aww. zero hours. It was just something for the well, live crowd. that's not fair. If he was supposed to be on the main card, he could have at least come out and been like, got a promo. It was a four-minute match with Serpentico. So, oh, yeah, it was just sort of gonna... one of those. You, you came all this way. Go kill this guy. That's, I don't know about that AEW. I feel that's like we'll, not my favorite. We'll probably see him and Cole tangle up. In the oh, next no, week I or know, but I mean, like, but it's pretty 
shitty. Yeah. Uh, speaking of presence at the show, Thunder Rosa was actually there. She was on the Spanish commentary team. What? Yeah. Didn't didn't when? get any TV time, but she was uh, part of the Spanish. Karen, did you see her? No, no. She, as far as I know, she didn't appear on camera. She was just joining oh, she the just Spanish, was there. Yeah, Spanish commentary. Weird. Yep. Weird. Um, Thunder Rosa. Um, she was kind of mentioned as one of the people who'd be showing up on Collision, though we haven't seen her yeah, in the first two episodes. So. I have. I don't know. I really like. Like what I've seen of her, but I just hear there's a lot of drama and I'm just, uh, sorry, I'll hang on. I'm about to burp. And so, of course, I don't do it. Cool. It's Love one it. of those, depending Great. on who you talk to things. I think she's just got kind of a notoriously hard charging attitude. She's known for being kind of stiff in the ring. Um, and for some people, that does not go over very well. There's yeah. been some reports of backstage tension, although the official story has always been she relinquished the women's title and stepped away due to persistent back issues. Yeah. So we'll see what happens when she comes back and who she's going to work with then. Um, speaking of that and just the women's division in general, I am I am enjoying Forbidden Door and the, the people who come over from Japan. I am interested to see more women show up. And I know, because we talked about this, because I did not know this, that um, New Japan did not have a women's division. Not until and very recently. Very recently. So I, I did not know that. I learned something new. Um, so, because I mentioned on the car ride, I was like, I really wish, like, there were more women that came over that were really, like, badass, you know, because these, these guys are tearing it up, but I want to see more women. And sure enough, that's why. Because there wasn't one until what? Wasn't it, like, 2021? Uh, 2022 was when New Japan had their... It was their, literally last year? Yeah, last year. Uh, their inaugural is the, um... <laughs> oh, I, I tried. I tried. I'm so sorry. I'm oh so my. sorry, headphone you listeners. Burped with moral outrage. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I even tried. Kara's dead. Kara's gone. She's gone. <laughs> But let's see. I'm trying to find the, uh, yeah, 2022. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, distract from my shame. The IWGP Women's Championship was the first women's title in New Japan's history. It was won by Kairi Sane in 2022. I love Kairi. And then in April of 2022, they announced a second title, the uh, Strong Women's Championship, um, which was uh, the person who holds that title competed on this card tonight, although she wasn't defending the title. But we will get to that. Yes, that was that was very nice to see that. Yeah. To see a woman's, you know, defense of a title. All right. So uh, shall we just dive into the pre-show? Let's go, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay to kind of skim through these because they were fine, but they were all sort of like warm up the crowd matches. So the first match is an eight-man tag team between the Mogul Embassy, consisting of Swerve Strickland, Toa Leona, Brian Cage, and Bishop Khan. Uh, versus Chaos, which is Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta, accompanied by El Desperado. I keep forgetting that they're Chaos now. That's so interesting. Well, the thing about the best friends... Because that's what they were, right? Yeah, like you've got the best friends, which is Taylor, Beretta, and somewhat Cassidy, and then Chaos is when Rocky Romero joins the mix, but usually not Cassidy, so it's kind of... Yeah. They're like a... uh, Just one of those... um, What's good? Like module play sets where you can just take different pieces off, and it's like, ah, now they're a spaceship. Now they're a submarine. Now they're a... (laughs) Yeah. Legos? Exactly. Legos. <laughs> Knew I'd heard the term somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, this is a fun match. Just again, kind of warming the crowd up. Um, yeah. I love seeing Str- Swerve Strickland. Uh, Swerve is great. I don't know what the hell is on your head, Swerve. It looks like... You remember those t-shirts, Kara, when you went in the 90s? And they were really tiny when you bought them. And then you put them on and they would fit anything. 
it looks like that on his head. To be clear, you're talking about his headgear, not his hair. Yes, the headgear thing that he wears. It looks like he killed a puffer fish and put it on his head. I think it's a freshly skinned Elmo, personally, but... No, that's... Re- I looked at the red. Oh, I looked at the no. texture. <laughs> oh, that's right, because he has the red one and then he has the cream one. See, I'm thinking of the cream... Oh, no. Wait, he doesn't go heel in half measures. <laughs> but yeah, so Mogul no, Embassy... I'm not going to do they, an Elmo voice. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, don't, don't break our no. sound levels here. <laughs> But yeah, I, lo- I love seeing Cage and Swerve on a team together. Throwback to the Lucha Underground days. Oh, um, Lucha Underground. Um, I guess, yeah. But otherwise, it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chuck Taylor. Match. No, uh, Chuck was great. Trent Beretta is just like bumping his ass off. Like he does that uh, that Shawn Michaels spot where he gets thrown into the turnbuckle. Oh, Kind yeah. of rolls up. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah, yeah, where yeah. Michaels would kind of go up, land on his feet on the apron, and then topple. Beretta just went up, went over, and then just fell straight to the yeah, floor. Yeah, he, he's known to eat it sometimes. Yeah. Like, he has no problem with that. Which I love. He's just this hardcore, tough-looking wrestler, but he is part of one of the most, like, positive and mutually supportive stables in the company. Like, they even did the... Uh, they even did the hug spot with uh, Desperado in the middle, and he just looked confused by everything. Yeah. Just sort of standing there as these three guys came in to, came in to embrace him. Oh, man. But yeah, so, uh, fun match. Um... Not a lot of uh, spots. There was uh, one bit where Swerve uh, took a clothesline from Cage just due to a miscommunication, and that might be setting something up down the road. That, yeah. Um, But overall, I think I said three Regals. Yep, I gave it three as well. Uh, All right. Swerve Strickland uh, gets the pan on Rocky Romero, and the Mogul Embassy takes it. All right. All right, so then... uh, Tally-ho. Indeed, next match on the pre-show is a Women's Owen Hart Cup Tournament first-round match. Uh, so this is Athena, the reigning Ring of Honor Women's I Champion. I have missed her. I have missed Billy seeing Starks. her. She okay. I feel bad. Like I look at her and I feel like I see Billy Piper. Billy Starks has wrestled since she was 13 years old. She and is I, 18 now, a five-year veteran at 18. And I thought that that was just horseshit. And then I watched her, and it's not horseshit. She's unbelievable. Her timing, her. Like, her knowledge of the moves themselves, the, the psychology is already there. Like, she really is. She She's going to be going somewhere. Like, she's, you know, so, I would like to see her change her name, but that's only just because there's already a Starks. Yeah. I think, I think it's one of those names that kind of, maybe it's tied to Game of Thrones, but it just kind yeah. of was on a lot of people's minds at the same time. Yeah. So, Starks is actually signed to AEW. She's been signed since Battle of the Belts 6 back in April. Are you serious? We just I don't know if it's her schedule or something, but she hasn't actually been on TV a whole lot. Yeah, no, because I didn't know who she was until I saw that she was on the card, and I was like, who is this? Yeah. But, y'all, go. I, I'm going to go and and dig into her history like i really want to go and watch some of these matches like from before i caught that one nice i caught it um but yeah i just she's she's i'm gonna keep my eye on her she's got it i think she's she's got it probably gonna step into the spot that sky blue is finally stepping out of i would like to see both of them go at it yeah they could have a good match but i think sky has been sort of like the plucky jobber for a while like she's the baby face that tries hard but constantly gets her butt kicked Oh, and I was wondering if you were going to bring up her butt, like the rest of Twitter does. Yeah, uh, it, it is. <laughs> don't some... don't don't go on thirsty Twitter, y'all. Don't do it. It's, Wrestling it's Twitter has noticed uh, <laughs> Sky Blue's physique. That's such a polite way to say that. And there noticed. has been comment. That is all I will say. Comment. <laughs> Actually, I do remember uh, she was interviewed by I think it was Renee Paquette and talked about. Um, 
just being supported by her family in wrestling. And she mentions that her dad reads like all the social media stuff about oh, her. No. And I was just listening to that and like, no. all the, oh, no. oh, that poor man. Yeah, that's, oh, poor baby. But, but yeah, yeah, so good match. <laughs> Athena is still very much in her kind of tough heel mode. She's, Gosh, she's uh, so hitting hard. She's being the bully. I wish that um, there were no wings. Yeah, I do miss that I uh, miss that the wings. spot, but I think that's or even just the the skull of the animal that she yeah. would have on her hide. Like it was so cool. I guess the kind of the more fantastic kind of cosplay elements are part of her being like more of the fan favorite. And now that she's just here to kick ass and take names, she can just, do both. Yeah, I hope she we get to see both. more of that. Wait, why, why not both? Yeah, but um, even though it wasn't a Ring of Honor match, they did start with a handshake. Um, although Athena did immediately try to lariat her out of that, which Starks managed to avoid, but. Yeah, overall, just good match, I thought. Um, uh, Athena goes over. Because, uh, of course, because yep, she's Athena. To advance in the Owen Hart Cup tournament. Um, let's see. So, quick question, Gina, before we go ahead. Oh. The other competitors in the Owen Hart Cup tournament, Sky Blue, uh, Ruby Soho, Willow Nightingale, Willow. and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Mm-hmm. So, of those six remaining competitors, who do you see uh, as the best chance of going all the way? Those six? Uh, counting Athena. Did I say Athena? I'm sorry, five, six, one has been eliminated. Oh, so. okay, sorry. Yeah, Sky, Britt, Ruby, Willow, and Athena. M- my selfish heart wants Willow just because Willow deserves the world and she's the best. Uh, story-wise, say them one more time. Sky Blue, Britt Baker, Ruby Soho, Willow Nightingale, and Athena. I could see them going with Ruby so that but I'm wondering if, I don't know, I'm wondering if Tony would drop the belt. Well, I'm curious if, um, because it's, you know, the Owen Hart Memorial Cup, like it's, you know, uh, Dr. Martha Hart comes out and like, you know, stands and smiles with the people. I'm wondering if they're going to put that on a heel just yet. Yeah, but the other thing is, is that I don't know if Sky is 100% ready. Yeah. If- but at the same time, and look, Martha, don't take this the wrong way. I'm just saying, like, oh I'm, I'm worried that this is, you know, it has, it has more time to build up the reputation. Like, yes. Like, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Owen Hart, yes. This is a, you know, very real thing that happened and we deserve to give him respect. It's just so fresh and so new. I want it to build up more, not credibility, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I don't want it to end up being like the Andre the Giant Royal, you know, yeah, Royal Rumble. I don't want like, it to be like that. So I want I want it to mean something. I want it to be, you know, important. And so that's why I'm I'm thinking they'll give it to someone, quote, who is important in the hierarchy of the wrestling world right now. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I'm like, thinking, I'm not trying to be rude. Like, please, Martha, don't hate me. I'm thinking Ruby Soho, if they do decide yeah. to go with a heel to give, like, the outcasts a little more, or sorry, the outsiders a little more Because Britt won it last year, so there's no way Britt can have it this year. Champion. Yeah, it was um, Britt and Adam. It was, it was disgusting. MJF? Cute. MJF has won the Dynamite Diamond Ring three years in a row, so I don't I know. Don't sometimes, know. You get, sometimes you get repeating winners. I don't know. But I think, I think Sky might do it as just sort of one of those, like, here's the here's the rocket on the on the youngin'. Yeah. But I hope they they could do the same thing with Willow. Yeah, that's my that uh, my hope and my heart is Willow. But I think I think it could be Ruby or Sky too. All right. What so, about you? Uh, I would say Sky or Ruby are probably my yeah. my two choices. I think with Ruby being slightly more likely, even if I yeah, as I say it, and I'm just like I don't know if they're gonna have a heel on that stage, like yeah. sneering and whatnot. 
But yeah, so uh, good match between Athena and Starks. Uh, Athena goes over. I give it three and a quarter. What about you? I feel bad. I just don't really remember this one that much. Like, and it's not that it's not. Huh? It's just like I remember her being very, very good and Athena being awesome. But there's no story. So if you and know, so I'm having a hard time with remembering that because I'm very much a story person. Y'all know. Yeah. Y'all know I talk about story. Well, that's the challenge of kind of these tournament matches is yeah. a lot of the time it really is just, hey, these two drew a, drew a number to face each other. Yeah. So, but, yeah. so Maybe that's just why my brain was like, oh, yeah. But they, they worked very well together. They were really, you know, they were really gelling. So, yeah, yeah. three and a half is fair. Yeah, three, three and a half regals for, for us uh, takeover. Okay. So uh, if you thought that one... Uh, Slid out of your memory a little bit. I'm curious. Do you even remember what the next match was? <laughs> the order yeah. of how many 10 matches there were? Yeah, no. So the next one was, I think even after I say it, you're not going to remember it, Stu Grayson. Uh, no, I remember this El one. Fantasmo. No, no, I remember this one because you know why I remember this one? Because Katie Bearden was losing her mind at the fact that the wrestler's name was Stu Grayson and that it's not his government name. And it's not his birth name. He chose this name. And Katie I actually, I actually looked it up it. to be like, well, I mean, sure. He's just, he goes with, oh, nope, that's, <laughs> no. nope. Stu Grayson is, in fact, no, a chosen wrestling name. No, he And she was like, there should be an umlaut. At least have an umlaut over the Stu year. Stu Grayson. <laughs> Love you, Katie. But you're 100% right, Katie. Yeah, but, it's, yeah, it's not good. But we've just we've just accepted it. it. What was a little puzzling to me is he came out with uh, these two guys dressed yeah. in white. Uh, their names are apparently Vincent and Dutch. They're part of a stable called The Righteous. I can't yeah, find out a lot about that. Yeah, one's got the weird dread thing. Yeah, and, and one then, guy's got yeah. kind of like a sweaty, like, uh, megachurch kind of look with the all white. Yeah, um, it's making me feel like um, knockoff Bray Wyatt. A little bit. Like early. Uh, okay, yeah, but you know Kara. He's got the whole world in his hands. Okay, I won't do it. But yeah, so I mean, uh, there was like Phantasma came out in a pretty sweet electric blue vest. It was like sparkly lights. We thought he might fry himself getting into the ring. Yeah, so it's really cool. Like, remember in the mall when you would go and they would have those belt buckles that would like spell words and stuff like that? It was that. The whole jacket was that, guys. It was pretty, it's pretty cool. But yeah, he looked like he could have gotten fried if any water was thrown yeah. on him. But I think it's mainly just that they're both uh, Canadian talents. So this was kind of a hometown slot. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yep. I didn't know that. Fantastic. Oh. Yeah, he's uh, from there originally. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, uh, solid match. Both guys, I thought, did pretty well. Uh, El Fantasma goes over with a pretty cool... Um, I wasn't quite sure how to describe it. Like, Dogs and I were going back and forth. Yeah, like, you guys it's like were a, debating for a while. It's like a hybrid pedigree with a bit of an unprettier... I looked it up and it's prettier. That's that's oh, it's called the uh, the kill switch in a. Oh, okay. It's Christian Cage's finisher. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I yeah. was like the unprettier. That's that's uh, a choice well, of name. Smash a guy's face into the ground. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they it came uh, back. I saw in one analysis a, a Jody Flush DDT into a Styles Clash was bless how you. they was how they summarized it. Yeah, bless you. So yeah, you that, just sneezed. That's what I heard. A memorable finish. Um, <laughs> I gave it... <laughs> because you didn't know what it was. Exactly. Well, I remembered being very puzzled by it. But yeah, I give it a two and a half. A solid pre-show match. Nothing really wrong with it. Just uh, not really a lot to yeah, get no, excited about either. Once again, no story. There's no reason yeah. why they're fighting except to fight. So, yeah. I, I don't know who the people with Stu are. and I don't know why he's not coming I'm, out with a Dark Order. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm kind of worried about about this. Because after this match, I remember sitting there being like, who's left? Like... 
what's going to happen to the Dark Order? And they've yeah. already had this thing where they were like, oh, Hangman's with his cool friends, and so we're going to go sulk over here. Yeah. And then they were like, <laughs> I feel like they had to drop that because they realized it actually wouldn't make Hangman unsympathetic if he was just visibly yeah, dropping like, the Dark Order, so it just kind of had to happen quietly. Yeah. I just, I'm worried. Yeah. I, and I haven't seen Evil Uno in a while. Yeah, I don't think, I'm trying to we've seen him since uh, number 10 made his turns to yeah, see he went full press so. advance. Which, mm. yeah. He's, he's pretty, but he's not. Evil-iso. Evil-uso. What'd you say? Evil-iso. Evil-iso. As an adverb. I was like, we do not need another uso. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, right, and so, what's next, my dear? All right, so next up, we have a six-man tag match between United Empire, consisting oh, of yo. Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and TJ Perkins. I really enjoyed this match. Versus Los Ingobernables de Japón, Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and Hiromi Takahashi. Very nice. Thank you. You've been working on that. It's mumbling nice. to myself a lot behind my desk at work today. <laughs> no, very nice pronunciation. Thank you. This match was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I mean... Jeff Cobb is a scary dude, but I really like, I can't, I'm sorry, all you listeners know that I'm terrible with names, but it's the, the boy band guy. He's got the... Kyle the, Fletcher. Kyle, yeah. Of course his name's Kyle. So he's the other half of United, <laughs> or of, uh, Aussie like Open. A, he looks like he walked out of a 2000s beach movie. Like, he looked like he walked off the set of H2O, and it's just fantastic. But he... I like him. Dogs, you're wrong. I like him. He looked at Will Ospreay's hair and was like, that's not poncy enough. <laughs> it's not poncy. <laughs> oh, I need to use that in my vocabulary. I'm going to find a way to poncy. incorporate that. Poncy. But yeah, um, Mark Davis, his partner in Aussie Open, is apparently I'm out sorry, with an injury. I'm sorry, Mark. I can't remember. Oh, that's why. Yeah, so. There think, it is. <laughs> and I think because they did just sign them both with AEW, so I think they're trying to keep kind of Kyle oh, Fletcher. So so they've signed, but Aussie Open has signed. Will Osprey has not ooh, yet, but there are there are reports. So we'll see. Ooh, that ooh, the plot thickens. Ooh, one. Yeah, so a uh, really fun match. Uh, six man. I think everybody got to show off a little bit. Uh, Kyle Fletcher had a super kick to Shingo Takagi at one point that I swear came out the back of his head. Wait, which one was that? Was that was? Uh, Takagi, I think, was the guy had kind of like graffiti style pants. Fletcher's. Um, Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah. Because we see the super kicks so much, and it's just like you know, <laughs> nap to the head, they go down. You're not used to that move looking like it hurts so much because yeah. we've seen it so often. But I saw that, and I was just like, okay, his face just reversed itself. <laughs> it went inverted. Pretty much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and then you've got you know Jeff They've Cobb. There's been some just, pretty imp impressive super kicks in this in yeah. this pay per view. Yeah, uh, this is a happy pay per view for super kicks and especially forearm chops. Get, uh, their, mm -hmm. forearms and chops, I should say. Because that, that is a Japanese style. Like, they're trying to show, like, I'm impenetrable. I'm not, you know, I'm not... Oh, hang on. I'm going to know the Shakespeare. Um, I'm not a moved. No jointed... Not a joint, jointed stool. Uh, An unmovable. Thank you. There oh, we go. I'm sorry, Shakespeare. Don't <laughs> judge me. I'm trying. But yeah, no, that, that's definitely a big part of it is just sort of the, the strong style, like take a straight hit. Um, I, as I understand it, stiff working is considered kind of the norm in a lot of, especially in Japanese yes. men's wrestling. And yeah, so we definitely got to see our, our share of that. And I think a lot of the AEW wrestlers felt uh, an obligation to sort of step up and match with that. Yeah. So it, it got intense. One of, one of my favorite wrestlers did really well with that, but we'll get to that part. 
when it's later down the line. But yeah, so fun match. Everybody got to show off a little bit. Uh, Los Ingobernables go over after Shingo Takagi yeah. pins TJP. Mm, but that, mm, yeah. yeah. It was it was a very well-fought match, but I, I had thought that it would go the other way. Yeah. Well, United Empire had a complicated night. Yeah, they did. All right, so I gave this one uh, three out of five. Oh, I gave this a solid four. Solid four. four. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. It right. was really nice. Pacing was great. Um, and I don't know, like, they can really, like, just be thrown together and make it more enticing for me. Mm. I don't know. I think it's the dynamic of, like, the speed, and then they've got the the boulder who is Jeff Cobb, and then, yeah. you know, like, the, the, the dynamics worked really well with this one. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot, so. All right, so moving on to the main mm-hmm. card as we open the show. We open with a defense of the AEW World Championship by reigning champion Maxwell Jacob Friedman <laughs> versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan. The build of this has been so fun. So fun. Now, when he had the other the other day when he had his match with Cole and it was timed and spoiler alert if y'all haven't seen it, I think you've seen it at this there point. There are no spoilers if, for wrestling that yeah, happened a week ago. You, yeah, you, you know or, or you don't. So, um Cole was about to well he had covered Max and it was one two and then, and then the buzzer went off yeah, the 30 timer minute went time off limit. which <laughs> this was the last wrestling night that Shelby Robert Ted and I had had before the baby came so <laughs> I remember this so clearly because Shelby was like they didn't let us know about the timer. They didn't let us know about the timer. How are we supposed to know? I had no idea. Which is true. I get it. That would be frustrating. Well, hilariously, Shelby, they heard you and they listened to you because there was off in the far distance a reminder in this one. Yes. There was a reminder. It actually threw us all off because we heard the <laughs> we announcement. like, wait, what? Well, later on we heard God? the announcement, but we didn't actually hear the numbers. So we're like, wait, are, are they down to five minutes? No, are they down to- no, because we were just so thrown by the fact that they actually were trying to announce it. And it's not like the announce team did it. No, the announce team didn't do it, but yeah, Justin it like- Roberts did it. And it was over the main, you know, main speakers in the, you know, of arena. But it was there. But it yeah, was there, so Shelby. They heard you. In the build of this, uh, Adam Cole and MJF, who have been drawn as partners in the Blind Eliminator Tag Tournament, have basically goaded each other Classic. into taking matches. Classic. And they hate each other. Why would they work together? It's MJF saying, you know, I'm not going to I don't. I'm not gonna waste my time with some rinky-dink indie fed like <gasps> New but, Japan. But Max, but are you a coward? Oh, man. I how don't... dare you? I'm... I'll accept your challenge because sometimes sometimes the uh, the Looney Tunes logic works. The, it, you know, look, duck season, rabbit season, duck season, duck season, <laughs> rabbit season, <laughs> rabbit season. <laughs> That's exactly what this buildup has been. And honestly, it needs this camp. It needs this level of of bounce, of fun, of of ridiculousness. But this match, I was surprised. So the the challenge of this match, let me just for yeah. a little background on Tanahashi. He is 46 years old, has been wrestling since 1999. Yeah, you have some insane facts. Yeah, about this, this guy, guy, he has had an incredible career. Um, he is an eight-time heavyweight champion in IWGP. He is a three-time IWGP U.S. heavyweight champion. That's a record for both of those reigns for the New Japan titles. He's won their G1 Climax tournament three times. He has a combined 27 championship reigns across his career. So he's been doing this for a really long time. He's a legend. 
but it's taken its toll. He's, like I said, 46 years old, and he's kind of... He's reached the stage where Sting is now, where it's just really hard for him to still hit those spots. And, like, as good as he is and as good as he can work with the crowd, MJF was kind of having to work around him a little bit. But the great thing about MJF is he's got that ability to be like, I'm going to get... Is, you're not having a rest spot. I'm strutting around, posing to the crowd. Yeah, because I'll be honest, and maybe this is because I didn't understand that. I I did not see that he was tired. I didn't see that he looked like he was having a hard time. I was watching MJF. So maybe maybe that's just me being worked over, and it worked. But I don't know. I didn't notice that. I I didn't notice that he was having a hard time. I thought he did great, and I thought that this match was really nice. Yeah, I think it was a solid match. I definitely don't think it was a it was a failure. Like we're not at like you know Goldberg Taker level. Okay, I was gonna here. say we're also basing this off of like <laughs> like <laughs> like like the you're saying it's like getting close. I, I I think I compared him to Sting a second ago. I think Jericho would be the better comparison. I feel like of that, like yeah, that's much better. If you just watch him, you don't necessarily see Sting what he's missing you, until but... you until you watch him from 20 years ago and see what this guy could do yes, and how okay. he could go. That's that's more fair. That's yeah. more accurate. I think that's yeah. Yeah, so, and I think they did play into that a little bit with the story because um, apart from the early bit where MJF just tried to walk out uh, back up the ramp and uh, Tanahashi started a coward, coward so chant. Good. And so good. The, the great thing about MJF as a character is that he's the heel's heel. He's the bad guy. He's such a little punk, but he wants to be respected and he so wants bad. to be seen. And so he can't bring himself to just be like, yeah, screw you, I'm walking out and keeping my title. He's got to turn and go back into that ring. Yeah, every time. How much chicanery was this? Was in this one? Uh, not all that much. Uh, there were two. Uh, I knew one, there. I mean, this MJF. There was one really fun spot where um, he locks uh, Tanahashi into an abdominal stretch and uses his free hand to grab the rope for additional leverage. Oh, that was and, good. And, uh, and of course, because Bryce, Bryce Rimsburg, AEW <laughs> official extraordinaire, a is lovely king. He, he even does like a little blues clue spot where he looks out to the crowd and you can see him like mouthing, what, there, behind me? And <laughs> as soon as he turns, MJF takes his hand off. He's the Steve we never knew we needed. <laughs> and they repeat that a few times and finally Bryce catches him in the act and turns and MJF just looks straight in his face and goes, what are you going to do, dipshit? <gasps> do it. And Bryce it. takes a beat so and just kicks his, his oh, hands straight off the rope. So so. And of course, we all cheered because Bryce is Bryce is fantastic. Yeah. Here, here, here to Bryce. I know there are some people who don't like that the referees are kind of characters in AEW. You had too, you had a hard time adjusting. Ah, uh, you did. Uh, you did. There are times where it works and times where it doesn't, and I've I've <laughs> I think it works for the most part in yeah, AEW. Yeah. But yeah, so um, <laughs> overall fun match. Uh, there's a there's a false finish. It's not. It's kind of semi-chicanery. Uh, MJF gets the AEW belt, brings it in the ring. Rimsburg catches it, takes it away. And while he's doing that, uh, Tanahashi gets, yeah. gets MJF in a roll-up, but there's nobody to count. So it yeah. takes a good four or five seconds for he's in position. And by that point, he can kick out. Yeah. It does, and he counted all the way to six, by the yeah. way, y'all. That was what the crowd six. was counting. But yeah, so then uh, finishes a little... Uh, it's kind of bog standard for MJF, honestly. He, yeah. Um, he, I'm trying to remember exactly how he. This is the one that was him. just that ended so quickly, right? Yeah, he. 
Okay, no, he kicks out of the roll-up. Tanahashi goes into Bryce, uh, knocks Bryce into the corner. Yeah. MJF takes that time to slip on the ring, and clock then... Tanahashi, and then pin him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, 15 minutes, 46-second match. Not super long. Um, it's just the right amount of time. Yeah. Uh, good, good exhibition. Um, I would say probably the weakest defense of MJF's championship range just because there wasn't much story you could put into it i mean it had a build-up but yeah you're right it's not like these two knew each other it's not like they had ever wrestled before unless i am mistaken um listeners if that's not the case then let me know but i don't think that's as far as i know they haven't yeah so i mean yeah i i gave this a solid three regals like it was interesting that you have a world title defense opening the show which isn't normally how it would go but i mean there was no way that uh that you could have Osprey and Omega and Danielson look out on this match and not have one of them be the headliner. So they wor- worked it in by having MJF say he refused to spend any time in any more time in Canada than absolutely necessary. So he demanded to go on first. <laughs> he actually, I didn't see this till afterwards. Is that really what he said? He had scheduled a tweet to go out at 810. So 10 <laughs> minutes into the match reading, lol, I scheduled this tweet because I know I'll have beaten the ace by now, <gasps> legend my ass, and a oh, laughter emoji. Wait, but guys, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about his gear. Oh, yes, MJF's that's true. gear! So he does not come out in the devil mask, which he's been doing for a lot of his, his entrances, but he How does come out in a custom robe. And Gina, what does it say on the back of that robe? <laughs> no, wait, I know what's on his his pad. Okay. Which one was on the back? Oh, it was... Back of the road was NJPW is an indie fed. Oh, that's right! And then on his um, elbow pad, it said Ace is ass. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so bad! It's so funny! Like, I, I appreciate details like that. I appreciate the effort and the time that he put in to do that. So, I also appreciate... Shout out MJF. Great job. Because I remember there was a bit of a dodgy spot when he was uh, having a match with Takeshita a little while back. I'm glad that none of this got into any racist stuff because MJF sometimes does go for the low fruit. And I think it's... Well, it happened once and it has never happened again. It has never happened again. And I remember sitting there going, oh, no, Tony's going to rip him one. I know there's a school of thought that says, you know, the heel's job is to get booed and anything you do that accomplishes that is is fair play. There's a limit. Yeah. There's a there's a time. At a certain point, you stop enjoying the show. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to see this person get punished for what they're doing. I just want them to stop doing it. Mm. But, yeah, no. But yeah, so uh, fun match. I gave it uh, I gave it three and a half. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. both... Three both, and a half Regals is yeah. fair. Both these guys know what they're doing. Um, probably a good place to put it uh, because yes. there's so much more ahead. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, and after the match, MJF released another video of himself on Twitter, departing the arena, saying, you know, never going through that forbidden door again or something. <laughs> but yeah, so. All right. Oh, MJF, that's inappropriate. Next matchup <laughs> is a men's Owen Hart Cup tournament first round match featuring Satoshi, sorry, Satoshi Kojima versus CM Punk. Cult of personality. <sighs> And Gina, we uh, we watched the collision where um, Punk returned on to a hometown Chicago crowd that yeah. was uh, rapturous and chanting and mm. cheering. Oh, and are you going to bring up the saw, thing that makes me laugh every time? And then we saw his second week of collision, <laughs> which was in Toronto, much like Forbidden Door. And in both cases, the crowd is less friendly to Punk. <laughs> oh, this is funny. <laughs> yeah. I get he was coming out. That. He was coming out to heavy booze. <laughs> 
Um, it made me laugh. It yeah. was really nice. This is his first appearance uh, on an AEW pay-per-view since the events of All Out back in uh, 2022. I just, look, I also just, I already dislike him. Y'all know how I feel about him. The Larry shirt. Why you got to make the dog extra ugly? It's not like Larry is not that ugly. Like, don't do that to that dog. He's been through hell. And apparently he was kicked into a door. Like, don't. Don't mess with the dog. Like, why? You know that shirt. You know the shirt. And he has worn it every single time. And it's like, why are you making your own dog look like a freaking, like, rabid beast? Why won't someone think of the puppies? I think of the dog, and you're messing up the dog. Leave it alone. <laughs> Another reason I don't like Punk. Yeah, that's why the crowd booed him. They, they, <laughs> because no, your shirt is this. ugly, Punk, and you make your dog look ugly than it already is. Nobody likes dog caricatures. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, just quick note on Kojima, another um, uh, old vet of Japan. He's actually fantastic. F- Fifty-two years old, been wrestling. Oh my! What? Wrestling since nineteen ninety-one. This guy has been. No. Yeah. So uh, I think he's doing really well for all that. Um, you get the sense that he hasn't quite put his body through the stuff that uh, Tanahashi had. Yeah. Uh, but Koj- really? Kojima has held world championships for all Japan. MLW, uh, NWA, NJPW, and Pro Wrestling Noah. So very, wow. very decorated veteran. Nice acclim- acclimate, acclimates? Uh, accolades? Or- accolades. Yeah. Y'all, words are hard. There's an <laughs> yeah. interesting note that commentary had, which is apparently he always wins with a lariat going back as far as 2009, but that's always how he finishes his match is that, interesting. Uh, is that hard lariat. Oh, that's, um, that's almost a little bit more of a fuck you. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> like Not a buckshot, but. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so um, I thought this was a fun match. I know uh, Gina, has, fun, Gina has made her feelings on Punk passable, pretty clear. But my, j- just to say real quick, my, my sense on Punk is I don't like the tension that comes with feeling like this thing could blow up. People could just walk out of the company and we would never see them on TV again. Drama that leads to a good match is fine. Drama that could lead to will this show even be functioning yes. next week or next month? That does not. That's not something I enjoy when I turn on the TV. And also, I just the the punk hangman or the punk elite. The, the arguments on Twitter just get so they're, they're so pointless and so predecided by the people making the arguments. It just I, I just don't enjoy any of this drama and. I would have been okay if we didn't see Punk again. I'd be sad that that was how his time in AEW ended. Having said all of that, now that he's back, I think this is the best thing they can do with him. Because it's the only thing they can well, do. Well, you've with got him. a guy. You've got a guy <laughs> who is going to get. Face. He's going to get rapturous cheers in some places. He's going to get like overwhelming boos in other places, and they're going to be dueling chants in others. The thing he is not going to get. The thing he is never, ever, ever going to get anywhere he goes is silence so just use that have him be like i'm gonna be me and if you like that cool if not then screw you i'm the truth teller and honestly i think that's a good spot for him to work because punk love him or hate him knows how to play off a crowd's energy better than just about anybody working in wrestling right now Hmm. like you look at this match here where um like Kojima has a spot where he does like that little like twitching peck dance in the ring and Punk like then clocks him from behind, throws him out and then does his own little peck dance, but like sarcastically, but he doesn't just do it. He does it facing the hard cam, turns left, does it, turns away from the hard, just does a complete 360, but slowly. So each person gets like, yep, you see what I'm doing? See, I'm mocking him. 
Yeah, so it's... He, he was working in kind of a heel style. He wasn't um, he wasn't going full dirty trick or anything, but he no. was definitely... I think that's the thing that's, like, bothering me is, like, it's getting under my skin because it's, like, snot-nosed brat <laughs> level. That's what he is. He's a snot-nosed brat. And I feel like he's not <laughs> acting. He just is. Like, now he just gets to be a snot-nosed brat. But I will not delve into it other yeah. than he is a snot-nosed brat. There was uh, one point that I know also made you happy in this match where uh, Kojima does <laughs> yeah, a top yeah, yeah, rope yeah. elbow. And, you know, <laughs> normally the elbow spot, you know, you're, the safest way to do it is to hit your armpit on the other guy's chest so yes. the elbow actually goes over them. Um, if you want to be a little stiffer, you can land like the, uh, the, the back of your bicep or the back of your upper arm to give a little impact. Uh, what Kojima does is he plants his elbow straight in Punk's balls. And Punk does not try to pretend it was anything other than a ball shot, so he just rolls over, clutches. Okay, now y'all, th- I've seen some, like, there's one in WWE that was really, really bad where Kurt Angle just stomped on a guy walking out of um, Helen, like, or one of the rings, like the cells. I can't remember. I'll, I think Kara, it was Elimination Chamber. There it is, yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, that was clearly an accident. He just miscalculated his step. Y'all, there is no denying it is just his entire crotch is just absolutely obliterated. So he couldn't have acted through that one to save his life. On Twitter, Kojima acknowledged that it had yes, happened, I but said that it was tweet. an accident uh, because he didn't have the technology to have done it on purpose. <laughs> this is where I love so. I love the disconnect of the English language and the Japanese language. Didn't have the technology. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so it, it was a it was a fun match. I'm a little um, sadistic, y'all. Don't judge me, but it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. I, I like an ass. He just. <laughs> I liked the finish on this because again, Kojima's thing is the lariat to finish the match, and it ends with a series because uh, Punk tries to get him up for the GTS a couple of times. Um, once Kojima elbows his way out. The other time when yeah. he gets dropped off, Kojima catches his leg and tries to spin him around. Um, the GTS that Punk finally lands is a little messy. It looks like it kind of hits Kojima more in like the chest than it does in the head, but he does put him down, gets a three count, and uh, despite all the healery, he wins clean, and after the match, he goes over to Kojima, sort of pats him on the chest, and helps him up to raise his hand in respect. So <laughs> it feels like Punk's antagonism is not so much to the other person in the ring at this point as much as it is to the crowd that's, uh, that's giving him the heat. Until it's somebody that he finds out he doesn't like. Well, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens if because uh, I'm I'm sure if there's a way to make it happen, we are gonna see CM Punk versus Kenny Omega one day, and that is going to be something quite incredible. I don't know. Or I, this whole thing will explode and half the roster will walk out. See, we'll see. Because this is what we've talked about. We talked about this because, sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> Kenny can work with anybody. And now I'm not saying Kenny's perfect. I've heard rumors. I I don't know. But for those who don't know, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay in real life despise each other. They cannot stand each other. But they have the most professional, incredible matches that I have ever seen. I don't know if that's because Kenny's professional and Ospreay's professional and they know that they work well together or if it's just here's a shit ton of money and do it. I'm hoping that there's enough time in between that match and that it's not very soon because if Kenny accepted it, I would definitely believe it was just a freaking pile of money. I will say the... And that would make me feel icky. The, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, that would be icky. The rumor on the reporting is that um, 
and again, a lot of this is just sort of like reporting and speculation and secondhand and whatnot, but that um, Punk and Omega seem like they've expressed a willingness to bury the hatchet between them. It seems like that mm-hmm. there's a lot of the tension is both from people that are in Punk's camp, like Ace Steel, and at least... Yeah, he just needs least, to get the fuck out. At he least needs to one go. Of the, at least one of the Jacksons that I think the Bucks and and Punk, seem, that seems to be the real sticking point on where it goes, to the point that it's reported that during Forbidden Door... Uh, they actually had locker rooms on opposite side of the building just to avoid any chance of... Yeah, hell no. Uh, so I think Omega versus Punk is foreseeable. Like uh, CMFTR versus the Elite. That, um, we may be a ways CMFTR, out from that. CMFTR. That just... That does not roll off the tongue. Yeah, so I, I overall like the match. I gave it four stars. I thought... Um, just again, Punk is a really good in-ring storyteller. Kojima still got it, and it's a nice bit of just. Um, I, I like when somebody has to put themselves in a position where they're at risk of the other man's finisher in order to land theirs, and you had that dynamic with the GTS and the Lariat. So, petty score for Punk. Petty Punk score is two and a half for Punk, but Kojima, Kojima, yes, Kojima, Kojima gets a four, so therefore it's a three. So okay. Not Overall, checks. Regal, I'll be nice. It's a three Regal. It's whatever. <laughs> All right. So moving right along, next up is a four-way match for the AEW International Championship with the defending champion, Orange Cassidy, against Zack Sabre Jr., Katsuyori Shibata, and Daniel Garcia. So this was unexpectedly fun because I, was, I didn't know a lot about Zack Sabre Jr. Other than, once again, Shelby... Well, remember, he was Claudio's opponent when uh, yes. at last year's Forbidden Door. Well, yes, but that's the last time I've seen him. So, you know, it's... I would like to le- learn more about him and see him in a, you know, with more, you know, yeah. opponents. Well, not to jump ahead, but they hinted we might get yes. a little more of that. And so, and then Garcia's been interesting. I just, I really need them to make a choice of him ditching JAS. Or, or like, I guess they're just moving on from it and not addressing it, but I would have liked a more definitive, you know, but now they're kind of putting that exact storyline on Sammy. Uh, so it's weird, you know, but anyway, but Daniel can work and I really enjoy watching him. Like, you know, he's not like the best of the best, but he's, he's pretty dang good. Well, I think he's one of the best like technical wrestlers in their kind of like under 30 crowd. Um, but they've, it seems like they've made a choice to have his style evolve as part of the JS to be a little more swagger, a little like yeah. he's doing the hip dances his, repeatedly. His hip dances need to stop. Which is interesting because go, there's a go point where... Go watch some dance stuff on TikTok, boy. You need to learn to move your hips in a different way. Like if, he'd, if he'd been in this match 18 months ago, he would have been right in there with Saber and Shibata just mixing it up with like wrist locks and, you know, uh, and half and crabs. I guess I'm sad because I miss that. I do too. I miss that because I loved the Danielson-Garcia match. Yeah. I loved that match. It's always going to be a little weird that they didn't pull the trigger on that, I guess, because they figured Yuta had his spot in the BCC and moving um, Garcia in as well would kind of crowd that. But yeah, I guess I mean, how I, I see it there, but yeah, he can still do that. And I'm hoping that there will be a time when he gets to go back to being just sort of the red death, the, the pure technician in the ring, the dragon slayer. Yeah, exactly. But right now he just gets to be kind of a little, a little goofier and develop a little, a little more of his in ring personality. Yeah. 
But an interesting thing about this match is of the four competitors, three of them are reigning champions. There's Cassidy, who's defending his international title, and then Shibata's the reigning Ring of Honor pure champion. Yeah, Shibata is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love Shibata that guy. Shibata is so freaking cool. So glad they got that guy's brain back in his skull. That, yes. Did y'all know this? Because I didn't know this. We had to talk about this. I mean, I, I knew about it before this, but the, the man, Shibata, had to have his brain fixed like literally his brain had to be rearranged in his skull um yeah he was rushed to a hospital after a match and discovered to have had a subdermal hematoma i think yeah a hematoma like that's like they were afraid he would like never even walk again let alone wrestle and this man is wrestling and having matches and able to do all of this crap and it's amazing like he he looks like nothing happened and that's just mind-blowing to me. Oh, that yeah. was a really bad pun. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I need to go pray. <laughs> I really didn't even... Tr- <laughs> oh, that was really messed up. I'm sorry. Anyways, this match was awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. You're going um, to gonna make fun of me for that for a while, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a couple ways off the top of my head that I could make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There we go. Kara got that one. Nope. I was like, nope, 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 nope. But yeah, so no, um, what was what was really fun about this match is um, it, it was, first off, it was really um, fast-paced. It was only uh, 11 minutes yeah, and the, 27 seconds. Yeah, the timing was insane on this one. Which I love, honestly, with a four-way match, that's the best thing you can do is just keep moving things through, switch yes. out the combinations. Um, a recurring thing that I thought was fun is because you've got um, so many guys with technical backgrounds, um, you've got uh, a recurring thing where someone will ha- be in the ring with uh, their opponent in a submission hold or a near pin, and another guy will come in to break it up. But instead of just stomping them or tackling them, they'll grab them in a hold. So it's like you know, uh, there was one point where yeah. um, I think uh, Daniel Garcia had Cassidy in a hold, Shibata came in, uh, did a little like, you know, like rubbing his hands prep move that I wish me, you guys could I, see the little dance he did I snorted ginger ale when I was watching it the night of <laughs> he did. and he like grabs uh Garcia in like a in a chokehold just like you know I'm not just gonna break you I'm not gonna just knock you off of him I'm gonna take advantage and just immediately lock you into something there was a terrific bit where um Saber and Shibata both get Garcia and Cassidy in abdominal stretches and then turn to face each other and then start slapping each other while keeping yeah. the other guys in. So like, yeah. it was like wrestling. Oh, I forgot about that. It was like a wrestling submission chicken fight. Just no, it was really nice. And they eventually break the holds so they can hit each other harder. Garcia and Cassidy jump up on their backs to do sleeper holds, and Shibata and Saber just ignore them and keep hitting each other until they're finally pulled away. But yeah, just I, I would not mind seeing Zack Saber challenge Shibata for the, for I, the title too. Yes, I'd like to see him go. I think ROH is the right... Yeah, you're right with that, with that choice. I think it would be nice to see him pop up occasionally. I wouldn't... I wouldn't mind watching him and Claudio go again, but that's just because I really would enjoy watching Claudio fight anybody. Well, Forbidden Door 3, I mean, uh, Sabre versus Danielson was supposed to be the the first Forbidden Door match. Yes, yes it was. Which is one of those things that... Um, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, um, people might know this, their best technical wrestler award um, that they gave out yearly was renamed the Brian Danielson Award. Shut um, up, really? Af- after Danielson won it uh, eight years in a row from 2005 to 2013. That's amazing. I had no idea. So, this is why I love him, y'all. So he was my first wrestler. 
So in 2000, oh, Danielson, not me. I thought you were just gushing over bro. my statistics. Bro, bro. So when Danielson finally did You're not blushing, win dork. the uh, that award, he <laughs> it was Saber who won it for the first time in 2014, and then he went on to win it seven years straight from 2014 to 2020. Holy crap! When he finally lost it, it was to Danielson, who was back competing. No! And Danielson has won it in 2021 and 2022. Okay, so this match has to happen? Yeah, just yeah, basically cool. Cool, acknowledge cool, cool. two of the greatest technical wrestlers That's working right insane. now. And you watch Shibata and you see it, because the things that guy does, like, you know, there's a bit where Cassidy goes to the, like, he tries to go off the ropes for an orange punch. He's cocked his arm back, and Shibata, or sorry, Saber just leaps up, catches his hand, and immediately just twists his fingers around oh. and maneuvers him over the ropes. He's just, he's got that ability to make those submission holds look like he is really working to just snap I, a tendon. I just want to know who's going to take this. Yes, so end of the match, Orange retains. By he, the skin of his like, teeth. Like skin of his teeth. Like so Shibata hits, uh, I think it was, is that good? <coughs> no, you go. So, Excuse me, y'all. Yeah, there's a very intense flurry at the end. Um, Shibata hits a, I think it was a running forearm on uh, on Garcia. But before he can go for the pin, Cassidy tackle, knocks him out of the ring, puts uh, Garcia in a crucifix, and gets the three count himself. So Cassidy doesn't even land the finishing blow. He just capitalizes and barely manages to retain. Yeah. Which is his 25th successful title defense. So he is now tied with Jade Cargill for the most... Uh, successful title defenses in AEW's history. Where's his party? I want to celebrate Orange Cassidy. I want another mimosa fight. Where's the mimosa fight? He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd go for a like a big party, though. I know. No, that, that's the joke. That'd be lovely. Yeah. He's also got apparently the most matches of any AEW wrestler yes. on their programming. Yes, with, uh, because he would o he opens for every single freaking Dynamite, yeah. like, ever. Cassidy's had 32 matches in 2023 just for that's AEW. That's insane! Yeah. Hit orange, go on vacation. Well, that's the story is that his body is literally breaking down yes. as he goes through these things. So he, he there was a video he released afterwards that was yes. just him sitting it's so on good, like a checkup table, just being like, my hand hurts, my, my back, back hurts, hurts, my knee hurts, everything, everything hurts. <laughs> so he's yeah. like, are we good? Can I go now? <laughs> my favorite will always still be when he's with Renee, and he's like, how you doing, buddy? I'm tired. <laughs> Me too. Just Me says too. I'm tired. But yeah, so uh, after the match, he he wins, but he's too exhausted to really get up. So Saber comes over and actually holds the international title over him for a second, kind of teasing him with it, uh, gives it back to him, but also holds up his own. Yeah. Uh, that 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 confrontation was pretty intense. Yeah. So we could see uh, Saber come back for uh, the international title in a one-on-one -on -one match, which. Again, if your theme is that Cassidy's got all these weak points on his body now, then like a master yeah, submission. They're guy definitely would be... building for it. I just don't know I just don't know who's gonna take it. Yeah. And then you also had Shibata, um, you know, they I think they uh, fist bumped or no, they shook hands. Uh, yes. had, he and he, Cassidy sort of buried the hatchet. Yeah, and... he he and uh and Orange had a really nice moment. Yeah, oh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yes. So, very very fun match, move fast. Four regal Yeah, four here as well. I concur. All right, so uh, next up, we have the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship uh, dun, 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 with dun. Jungle Boy Jack Perry, accompanied by Hook, challenging Sonata, the reigning IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Sonata was savage up to this because it, it, he issued the challenge. An open challenge. An open challenge to anybody. And, you know, Jungle Boy Jack Perry comes out, and he's like, I'm going to do it. And essentially, Sonata's like, who are you? 
I don't I don't know Jack I don't, Perry. I don't know who this is. And it's like, oh I'm like, kind of disappointed. Oh. This is a bigger deal. I I <laughs> thought someone else might Yeah, come. he's like this this is a very important title to me and I don't know who you are and you're not worthy of it. It's savage. Like Talk about lighting a fire under your ass and trying to beat the snot out of someone. Like, come on. Yeah, no. Like, well, and he came to play. Jungle Boy came to play. Well, it's interesting because it did feel like of all of the, the matches on here, you had so much that were just like, oh, my gosh, we get to see Omega and Osprey. We get to see the Black Book. He, Jungle Boy, as he often does, felt like he came in and people were sort of like, oh, yeah, him. Cause Jack he, Perry's kid. Right. It, or not Jack Perry, uh, Luke, um, Luke, Luke Perry's, Perry's kid. Sorry. It does kind of feel like he is just kind of consistently. People are like, I don't know if he's got. He's he's good, I guess. He's kind of skinny. He looks. He's such a pretty boy. I, I, he is just such an he's, underestimated. That figure. is the exact word I was going to say. He's extremely underestimated because he's got it. And look, I'm just saying, hair acting goes a long way, y'all. Hair oh acting gosh. can sell. He can sell some moves. He can sell some hits with that luscious mane that he has. Please, oh, yeah. Jungle Boy, what is your routine? He, I'm just really curious. I want to know. So Nada hits him with a European uppercut at one oh, point, that, and it's oh, just like a, a cascade like, <laughs> of, yes. of his mahogany locks. Oh. Mahogany. <laughs> but yeah, so... Mahogany. I, I, th there was never any real chance, similar to the MJF match, there was not a real chance of the belt changing hands here. No. But this is important for what happens after, yes. because that's story, a crucial point. The story with Jungle Boy for the last few months, and this kind of snaps into focus at the end of this, is that he has uh, seen his uh, his one-time friend and tag team partner, Luchasaurus, turn to the dark side with Christian Gage, and now both of them are co-holding the TNT title? Uh, Christian is <laughs> holding it yes. hostage. And Luchasaurus just doesn't see because he has rose-colored glasses on. Well, he's a, a dinosaur, so I think he's colorblind. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, Christian Cage is holding on to it for Luchasaurus. <laughs> but no, so yeah, Jungle Boy has seen <laughs> he's seen his friend go to the dark side and be rewarded for it, and then he had his chance in the Four Pillars match when he had the world title in and his hands. And he chose not to do it. Even though it would have been legal, he still chose he not chose to. He chose not to. And he lost. So This has been a really nice slow build to what happens in this moment. Yes. because And just to go through it, like again, match is fine. Yeah. It's a, it's a little underwhelming. Sonata like yeah. gets the better of him, beats him down. Yeah. Does a oh, this was the one where we were like, that's it? Yeah, just a, a like moonsault. Which, yeah, it was really weird. Apparently a moonsault is considered, a, it's still got a little more juice on it in uh, in Japan. Oh, than it interesting. Does. In the US where it's, you know, something like the super kick, which used to be Shawn Michaels finisher and now is just something everybody gotcha. does. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. I think the moonsault, that's what I've been seeing is that it has a little more impact like as it's like oh that's a big finale like yeah. like finality there okay yeah so sense. sonata goes over he's he goes to the top of the ramp he does um give a fist bump to jungle boy a little moment of respect so yes. uh but he walks out holding the belt high uh hook comes in to escort perry up the ramp takes him to the top uh raises his arms side by side and then jungle boy turns and lariat's hooked to the ground so this is the thing when i first watched this i was like yes this makes sense this is how he turns heel. I don't like it now. And here's why. Okay, go on. I like that Jungle Boy has changed, but Hook has this reputation of being this unbeatable son of a bitch. Being this scrawny, scrappy little dude who people cannot beat. 
And he's just knocked over and incapacitated in this such intense moment. I don't, I don't know. I feel really weird about it. And especially, and especially with the choice that Taz left commentary for the rest of the night to make sure that his son was okay. That was weird. Like, I'm wondering if Taz had to go somewhere and like, that's fine. But I don't know. I just, it felt... I don't know, like, I'm confused about it. Like, I, I see what they're doing for Jungle Boy, and I get it. I get it. It needs to happen, yeah. and it's needed to happen. I'm just interested to see what they're doing with Hook, Hook because he's been downgraded a lot lately, I'm and gonna, I'm worried to see where that's going to go. I still don't think he's taken a pinfall loss in exactly. AEW. So. so that's why I'm like, so we're just, he's going to take one hit and just curl up. And that's the thing. He curled up in a ball, and he didn't, like, move, and he was like... You know, I would have, I could have seen him like getting up and be like, "Oh, like shit, like that sucked." Like, so damn. I can give you um, my explanation, or I can give you, uh, I can do a dog's impression to no. give you kind of the. Look, the thing you don't <laughs> and understand. He, does it anyway. he takes a lariat, <laughs> this and the is back marriage. of his head smacks into the ramp, and he has just suffered a severe blow both to the larynx, cutting off his ability to draw <laughs> oxygen. <No. laughs> The honest answer is that in, in wrestling, it's just one of those, like... I know. It's one of those rules that things kind of play by where, like, a guy who can go for, like, 30 minutes taking, like, unlimited forearm shots gets hit once in the back of the head in, like, a in a non-wrestling, in a non-match context yeah. and is suddenly just down and out. I guess it's also just because it's, like, like they weren't really that close. They were Jungle Hook. Yeah, and I prefer uh, Hookhausen. Yeah. Like, th- there were a lot of other partnerships that happened there that are better than what this was. And so, for me, it's like, I know this is how it had to happen, but it wasn't believable for me. Like, I, I it's will fine. Say, it's I, just, we'll, we'll move on from here. They did show a backstage video of um, of Hook and uh, just you know, being asked, like, what do you have to say? Anything to Jack Perry and Hook's uh, promo? You fucked up, Jack. Oh. So... Okay, I think cool. I think that's him. All right, because cool. someone pointed out this is the first time that Hook's got a real personal stake in a story. So this is no. kind of a chance for him to stretch beyond just I'm going to beat you because you're the guy I'm fighting. That's you know what I hadn't thought of that. You know I'll take that. No. I'll I I will take that and I'll still you know I'm still wary. Yeah, but as, I'd like to see where that goes. As with all things, the like how they carry it from here is gonna is gonna count for a lot. Part of me would have liked to see him turn heel or stay face, but I feel like you might have run into the Cody Rhodes spot where yeah. the crowd wanted it and him trying not to just made it for a more while, painful. Yeah. So, um, also, hint for all of those who are watching at the time, he was matching Luchasaurus. Yes, you caught that. He was I wearing did. the uh, his ring gear was in sort of that all red and black red. scheme that uh, Dark Luchasaurus has been, has been rocking so lately. So I saw that and I went, hmm, interesting. So what's next, my dear? Oh, next. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Is it is it what I think it is? All right. So next up, we, we have here? a 10-man tag team match. It's not what I thought it was. Deep breath. The Blackpool Combat Club, consisting of John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castagnoli, accompanied by Kanosuke Takeshita and Shoto Umino, versus the Elite, consisting of Matt and Nick Jackson, Hangman Adam Page, joined by Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah. Now this was announcer Robert voice. Ooh, ah. I know. Watch out, Justin Roberts. No. If, as soon as I get a better tailor, I'm coming for you. <laughs> My current tailor is Goodwill. No 
it's not. Stop it. Not but <laughs> boo. Yeah. So okay, this is continuing the feud between the elite and uh, the uh, no, Blackpool Combat Club, which has been I going mixed on up for my a while. order. Like I'm very uh, okay. excited for this, but I thought it was I thought it was okay, the Osprey yeah. match, and that's not. But yay. But yay. yeah, this match. Okay, so I'll just say. I like this better than Anarchy in the Arena because this one, it actually oh, felt yeah. like they had an incredibly rare thing happen with these kinds of, honestly, even with standard tag matches in AEW, which is that for most of the match, there were two guys in the ring fighting. Yeah. You'd have bits where people would charge over and Lord knows the illegal man was in a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but you did not have just everybody break to the side or three people on one in the ring too much that yeah. happened but for the most part and that i think helped them because you do have a lot of really great dynamics you've got um moxley and eddie kingston you know you've got their long history of oh gosh, friendship and antagonism no, uh, you've got eddie just wanting to get his hands on claudio you've got all three members of the elite wanting to beat the crap out of Takeshita. um you've just yeah there's like, so many dynamics that fit together like a beautiful puzzle and they they just moved in and out of each other really well it yes. for all that like calculated chaos is kind of the mode of a 10-man match thematically it felt really clear and really smooth and just listeners for this is a takeover they know how often i say timing is crucial like i talk about timing in a match all the time it's like a shark if the shark stops swimming it will die i feel this with a match i feel this with theater i feel this with a lot of things in life like the pacing and the timing of this match are i mean some of the best that of the entire night like this match in particular was stunning to me yeah i think you just had everybody where they needed to be doing what they needed to be yeah this was my second favorite match of the night i'm gonna go ahead and say that i think it's because it helps that eight out of ten of the people in this match are AEW full-timers absolutely you've got ishii and uh shota are both um visiting from new japan but otherwise you've got like stories and dynamics that go back and have been played into on dynamite rampage and all that and yeah, I, I, I'm a sucker for just the story of Mox and Kingston. I mean, oh my for gosh. all the grief that it will <sighs> eternally get, the conclusion of the exploding barbed wire death match oh. was a fantastic piece of storytelling it for was, what it did for Kingston. But it just and, was so, but yeah, yeah. Let down by the pyro, but just everything about the buildup to but that. But yes, you're right. And once again, it happened again. And it broke my heart. Eddie Kingston oh, going I, over. Well, I we'll thought talk you meant a disappointing explosion. No, like, no, not that part. The part where once again, Eddie, even though he's bitching and fighting with Mox and they're bickering like two married women or old, <laughs> two married <laughs> words are hard. No, no, that's okay. Lesbians can fight too. That's fine. It doesn't matter who you're married to, but to a, a couple Had a that's married. From all of us here at Long Walk Productions. <laughs> bickering like an old married couple there <laughs> swords are hard I Anywho, hope, I do hope when we become an old married couple we aren't trading quite as many forearm chops you know yeah yeah i think i think that would be a really bad idea <laughs> but yeah so like I, <sighs> but then again near the end once again mox is falling he's about to take this hit from i can't remember who so it the was. young bucks are doing like a super kick party and they're just the going bucks, through everybody yeah. in the entire team one by one they get mox down he's no. on his knees they gear back and then eddie he tackles mox out, out of the way. way once again but this time this was different because 
mocks even after that then decides to go and beat on eddie yeah and my heart broke yeah oh no like mox is a bad guy like i get it but there was always that one redeemable quality about him is that he would do anything for eddie kingston and now i'm just so upset because this is (sighs) okay this this is a level of character now Uh, god knows i love wrestling but you don't normally talk about it on this level but in moxie and kingston you have kind of this opposing mirror version of each other these two kind of scrappy yeah. guys from kind of a tough background like they see and, each other in themselves yeah. and they both had like you know they're hardcore they were never like the most technically sound guy they were never you know the the classic movie star handsome baby face yeah but they knew how to connect with the crowd and they knew how to make people believe that they were in the violence and Eddie moxley so damn good at first that. in wwe and now in AEW, has had this you know incredible career he's been world champion at different companies and the big thing that has gotten him there while Eddie Kingston has spent, you know, decades kind of drifting in and out of promotions and never quite getting that top spot till he came to AEW is that Mox can be part of a team. Like with the Shield, with the Blackpool Combat but Club, can. Mox can, he can form bonds with people and he can work as part oh. of a unit. And Eddie, he can have friendships. He can have people that he will connect to. But even like he's a loner, he's the kind of guy where even his friendship just means if we fight, that means I'm going to hit you even harder because I know how hard you can take it. I got a little homoerotic, but again, <laughs> that is another feature. of all, That's a, another thing about all of John Moxie's relationship. The dude's got like They're his, all homoerotic. Uh, watch all of his promos with Hangman. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You want to take this belt off me, cowboy? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But no, so. Yeah, and right. what's twisted about that at this point is that Mox, his team, his friendship is what has taken him to this dark place. And Eddie is trying to bring him out of that. Yeah. If Mox didn't have this bond with Claudio, Ute and all them, he might be able to, there might be some saving him. So I just, uh, that's, yeah, the one thing that has been nominally Mox's strength that has gotten him this far is also what's taken him to this dark place while Eddie is trying to get him back. No. Because Eddie's been to the dark and he doesn't want yeah. his friend there. And it's just, it is good this, stuff. This Eddie was Kingston the second best be, match, yeah. Eddie Kingston will be an all elite wrestling champion. He and has I will, to be. Yeah. Tony Khan, I will fight you. As one Pleasantville, like New Yorker, like family, like related girl to a Yonkers, or Yonkers, hang on, let me try to say it. Yonkers. <laughs> a Yonkers performer for Eddie Kingston. You, you got to support him. You gotta support him, man. I've told you my prediction, and I'm still gonna. I'm gonna restate it here. Your prediction is so good, though. MJF is gonna hold it out for at least the rest of the year. He's gonna lose it to Kingston at a pay per view. It's gonna be this triumphant moment. It's gonna be Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. It's gonna be Kofi Mania. Kingston did it. Kingston did it. After all this time, within a month, he's gonna lose it. He will. Kingston is not gonna hold on to that belt for a full pay per view cycle. Is that because of you think? like higher ups or is that I think he's an underdog and I think the the story that he's his own worst enemy is such an okay. ingrained part of it yeah, so I think yeah yeah and oh, like, do you think Claudio would take it honestly okay <gasps> my my pick has always been Swerve but partly because of this because I think they're keeping Swerve kind of at a simmer until they're ready to move yeah. him up into that le- ranks because whoever takes the belt off Eddie if this happens that person gets nuclear heat but after watching this match, I'd like to see Takeshita do that. Because Takeshita was Takeshita a fiend was, in this oh, match. Takeshita turned on the heat when he 
when he turned with Don Callis. I, I did oh. not. I mean, I, I was like, okay, yeah, he's, he's this guy's, a master class of evil. This dude's good looking. You know, he's he's, he's got, tall, but like he turns he's, on that smolder and you're just oh. like, damn, man, you're you're bad. <laughs> Wish you could have seen the face he just made. <laughs> But, I mean, it's even down to the entrance because the Blackpool Combat Club, they do their usual thing of coming in from the crowd with, uh, and it's it's actually Moxley's New Japan music, which is called Death Rider. It's yeah, not Wild Thing. I know. I was kind of looking forward to Wild Thing, yeah. but, but I like the throwback. Though. You know, they come out of the uh, out of that uh, concourse gate and they kind of stand there looking through the crowd. And there is somebody like four feet away from Takeshita screaming <gasps> like they're the, the old woman from The Princess Bride. Just, and he's just Rubbish no selling it, just looking in the opposite muck. direction. Yeah, like, ooh, that yeah. that woman was insane. But all through the match, like Takeshita, because what I love is he's turned heel, but he so far hasn't turned like chicken shit heel. Like he is no, he's a dangerous just, fighter. He's just a bad, bad guy. Yeah, like he, I mean, he trades, he has a great spot with Ishii where they're like, they start throwing forearms at each other and then they like start backing up and doing shoulder tackles and they start backing further up and coming off the ropes. And it's just like a bullfight of them circling around each other. Ishii is the one who looks like he has has like knots the size of boulders on his shoulders right uh he is the boulder with arms and legs yes 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 he does he go to a masseuse i worry for his shoulders they just look so much in pain um but yeah he he's scary yeah he's scary there was like he's a big scary man which again well he's a small scary man well with ishii what the awesome thing is in this, this match he works as sort of like this like this slow juggernaut like he's you know, you can work around him and you can avoid him, but if he gets his hands on you or if he gets a solid hit on you, you're going down. Yeah. Which makes it, again, all the more awesome when Takeshita comes in, clocks him with a forearm, and Ishii drops. He rolls to the apron oh. and he is out. Like, that's just... Oh my, again, they're, they're putting Takeshita over in a hard way. He should be. Yeah. He should be. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's so much that I just... But this like, match... So, who won? Okay, so uh, yeah, you've got everybody like moves around, a lot of chaos. Uh, Organized there's chaos. Al- there's always chaos. a big swing. There's always a big swing in this match, and in this case, Matt Jackson becomes the swung buck, thanks to Claudio. Yeah, I waited till you were taking a sip to do that. Um, it's better than a hung buck. So yeah, the ending sequence is uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. Yuta um, avoids a buckshot lariat attempt from Hangman, hits him in a release German suplex. Uh, one second. Thank you, babe. He's passing me my other spindrift. Thanks, love. No problem. Yeah, Yuta hits Hangman with a released German suplex. Hangman does that thing where he rotates all the way over to land fully on his belly, which always terrifies me that he's going to land on his head again, but he pulls yeah, it off this thank time. God he didn't. Um, and Yuta is ready to move in for the pin, but unfortunately he has stood still too long and Ishii hits him with a clothesline that nearly takes off the top half of his body. It's disgusting, y'all. And then does his sort of delayed brain buster and uh, the, excuse me, the, um, yep, the elite Ishii and Eddie Kingston go over with a pin. Yay! Um, after the match, uh, we see... so torn, y'all, though. We see Eddie yelling at the Young Bucks on the outside because victory, just like everything else, makes Eddie Kingston angry. <laughs> And although hilariously, we it see him yelling. It wasn't done the right way. We see him yelling at the Bucks and Hangman and then turning and just putting an arm around Ishii as they walk out. Just like, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with you. Let's, yeah, let's, you're cool. You I can, like you. We can hang out. 
But oh, yeah, great, gosh. great match, great pace. Um, I love Eddie Kingston we, so so much. I feel like we're probably coming to the end. Of, like they might have one more blood and guts in them for uh, for the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club. But, but I think that yeah, that, but it's not been. Oh, I'm tired of this. Like, can we move on? Like, it, no, this has been a really nice, a nice, you know, I wouldn't say like 5K, but you know, like it's been yeah. a nice, like trotting pace. It's been a nice, you they, know. They found a lot of ways to change it up. Yeah. Like introducing like Takeshita's heel turn, having Callus turn on Kenny. Like, yeah. Ooh. Okay. So yeah, I, I ended up giving this one uh, four and three quarters. Uh, just really good all around. You hear that, Shelby? You hear that? It's not just me. I hope that you hear that. Shelby hates anything that's not a half or a whole. <laughs> Like, cause I used to say I wanted to do like, oh yeah, this is a 3.75. And she's like, absolutely not. Like she would berate me about it all the time. So see, you hear that? It's not just me. Nope. And I didn't even put him up to that. <laughs> you really did that. Nope. So I gave this, oh gosh, where did I put this? No, Gina, don't do the mean thing. I gave this a four. I nice. almost wanted to do a 3.75 just to mess with Shelby. Uh, one other note just that has to be remarked on. Uh, all of Moxley's blood was still in his body at the end of the match. Yeah, you said incredible. that. incredible. When we were rewatching this, taking notes, I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. He didn't, not a single ounce. Yeah. Nobody bled in that match. Like, Even by accident. Yeah. There was no blood. I kind of wanted to deduce it. For that. <laughs> That's why it's a four and three quarters. <laughs> All right, so next up are the uh, unluckiest bastards on the card because they have to come between that, like, super intense 10-man tag match and uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. Oh. And the short straw is drawn by the uh, AEW Women's World Championship match with <sighs> defending champion Tony Storm, accompanied by Ruby Soho and Soraya, defending against Willow Nightingale. I love Willow, but... Yeah, you're right. It sucks. But here's the thing. Despite that, because this had popcorn match written all over it, I, I would not have been surprised well, if the camera the, panned out and like half the arena had gotten up to grab a beer or something. Like, it's supposed to be like that. You know, this is, you know, the semi. Uh, we're, I think, three more from the main. Okay. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But no, what's amazing is they got the crowd. They they got pops. They they got the energy. Willow they kept everybody engaged. It's the best. I think for me... Again, I can only speak for WWE and AEW, but I think you would have to go back to like the man Becky Lynch to find somebody who had that who had more of the natural babyface connection to the crowd. Even if Becky was more of an anti-hero, but I think Be Bianca Belair ties her. No, I'm gonna disagree. Not Becky, Bailey. As as a pure Bailey. like as a pure good lovable babyface, yes. I'm talking about just hero that the crowd likes cheering for and engaging okay. with. Uh, I reckon, yeah, Willow and Becky, very different, very different characters. Yeah. But in terms of just like this person has a, is tapped into the crowd's energy in a particular way. Yeah. Becky had that in a way I've never seen any. Uh, it's really true. Very few wrestlers, but uh, especially women wrestlers in a business that is not friendly to them. Um, or. At that um, level. Oh, no. I think Tegan Knox could also be in that category as well. For, from the, we're speaking from a takeover sp okay. standpoint. I can't speak to NXT yes. on that one. I'll, Which I'll is why I was saying that. everyone loved Tegan Knox. So, yes. But yeah, so fun match. Um, Willow, as we mentioned earlier, is the uh, IWGP Strong Women's Champion, although she is not defending it. One interesting kind of could have been for this match, 
Uh, Willow won that championship at the end of a tournament where her opponent was uh, the former Sasha Banks, Mercedes Money. And he's going to say it just like that every time. I don't know what you're talking about. That's how it's pronounced. So what was it again? Mercedes Money. <laughs> I just think of the South Park episode. I've, I've never seen it. I don't know what you're referring to. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. But yeah, so uh, that was the fun finale. And uh, Mercedes suffered a legitimate ankle injury during the match. Uh, it hasn't been officially concerned or confirmed, but it's generally believed they made a call in the ring to have Willow go over. Um, but it was supposed to go to Sasha. Yeah, and if that uh, had happened, Mercedes. and if that had happened, it is, there's a very good chance we would have seen her on this card. And you, you really thought that for a while. You really thought she was going to come over, and I don't think she's ready. I think she's been in a major company for a really long time and had enough problems with a major company. So I think she's going to chill for a while, and I think that this is the best thing for her. And she's doing what she needs to do. I think a place like this would be a great spot for her because she yeah. doesn't have to make a full-time commitment, but she can show up. She can get the huge pop from the AW I fans can see that. and maybe build a few future appearances. I think you're probably right that she wasn't... She's scared of the yeah. big... Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think... I'm not sure where she would fit in the ecosystem of their women's roster right now, especially... Because there's a lot of heels. And the perception that like, oh, just bring in more ex-WWE people. I think that's something yeah. that seems more strongly on the women's side than on the men's. Exactly. And we, I don't know who's training over here for AEW for the women's, but we need, we need some recruitment, y'all. Mm. We need some recruitment because a lot of them are still going to NXT. <laughs> because NXT rocks. But, I mean, I'm being serious. Like, you know, a lot of these upcoming women are, are heading to NXT compared to trying AEW. Yeah. And there's a reason. Well, I think that's why they're getting a lot of, like, the, the Billy Starks and the Sky Blue. I mean, yeah. they're recruiting. Billy Starks is a great recruit. Yeah. I hope that they, that can continue and push the I women's, think, di like, division. I think there's an effort to try to catch, like, to catch the female talent before they've risen high enough and established themselves enough that WWE grabs them up. It's Definitely. Because kind of, I think that is why you get uh, kind of the, the new female talent in AEW looking a little greener than someone, you know, because with eight, with the men, you've got people like Jay White or, mm. um, or Takeshita or just people who have, you know, have these, who know what they're doing and have been doing this for a while, just haven't worked with WWE. But yeah, um, so... We've talked a fair amount about the match that didn't happen, but the one that did, the I thought one was... That did happen. I thought was pretty good. Willow Nightingale comes out, she's dancing, nothing She's matters, adorable. smile anyway. I <laughs> what just, a happy nihilist. I just feel happy seeing Willow on screen. She's, she's just delightful. Um, and it's it's good to see Tony with a championship. Barnes and I kind of went over on the uh, went over this a little at Double or Nothing. I wish she'd had a more of a full match with Hater, but yeah, seeing Literally. Tony with an officially recognized championship while she's holding it. Um, and being given that title. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great. Another another nice touch is that um, for the time that she's been with the Outsiders, uh, you've had kind of a routine for how their matches end, which is, you know, chicanery from the outside. Somebody, like, catches an ankle or uh, sprays the face of the yeah. opponent, and that allows Tony to get the uh, to get the cheap win. This time they tweak that up because uh, referee Stefan Smith catches it when, um, I think, oh, Soraya... Uh, yes. I did not know that. Stefan. Tries to roll the uh, the spray pan, spray can into uh, Tony. Ref notices it and ejects both Ruby and Soraya. Ruby does the spot that I always love where they're ejected and they they sell it like they've just been punched. Like it's like, a physical ah! blow. 
And so left alone in the ring with Willow, who has uh, a power advantage and can match her for speed and pouncing. Um, I love that her move is literally called the pounce, that diving off the ropes tackle. Um, So Tony has to fight dirty on her own to win, which she does succeed at. She um, uh, Willow gets her in a an interesting move I hadn't seen before. It's like a figure four leg lock. Yeah, that that was a weird transition. It's apparently called a side Indian death lock. Whoa. Yeah, might be. I don't know if it's the country or or not, but um, yeah, hopefully it's yeah. But it's interesting because it does put them in arm's length of each other, so they're kind of trading slaps while Willow tries to hold the the submission. And Tony eventually breaks it by leaning forward to bite Willow's leg. Yeah, what? A- <laughs> yeah. And then the uh, match ultimately ends. I make that joke all the time. I'm like, bite him, bite him, yeah. and then she actually did, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> That's how they do it down under. My accents are just blowing you away tonight. Or your sexual references, but that's fine. I don't know what you could be referring to. <laughs> no one on the internet has ever thought of Tony Storm in that context. I will have you know. Absolutely not. I've, I'm particularly observant on wrestling Twitter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the uh, the go home on this is Good that... Lord. Um, <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> the, get you? Can I get your tongue? The go home on this, uh, Willow gets Storm into a corner and uh, is gearing up for like a big charge. Uh, Tony yanks the ref between them while he's distracted. She rakes Willow's eyes, hits her with the uh, Storm Zero pile driver and gets the three count. Boo. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're saving this up. I think we're still on for Hater and uh, Tony to have their rematch at All In. Uh, get the big... Uh, Hater needs to come back in order to do that. She Where's does. Where's she been? Well, we're hoping her arm is healing up. Yeah. Poor baby. But yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Tony's nose gets busted at some point. Yeah, um, that, I, I still didn't see where it happened. Yeah. So I, I went and looked back, but... Of the two injuries that I know happened on this match, I've watched and I can't see where either of them happened. I just suddenly they're they're around. But um, yeah, so I gave it a three and three quarters. Fun, I gave it a match. three. Yeah, nice. a three. Um, three regals. One fun thing going forward. After the match, Willow announced that she would be defending her IWGP Strong Women's Championship. <gasps> They need shorter names in New Japan. You got it. You're doing great. Against Julia. Have you ever seen Julia? Not Julia no. Hart. Uh, it's G-I-U-L-I-A. No. She's a young wrestler out of Japan. Really. Don't um, worry. I'm going to Google. Yeah. Uh, seen as like one of the uh, one of the really strong up-and-comers in that area. So. G-U-I. G-U-I. Or sorry. G-I-U-L-I-A. G-I-U. But yeah. So. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen in uh, in the U.S. or if that's going to be something that happens over there, but I hope it's in a place where we can watch. Whoa. Right? Whoa. She looks really spooky. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, they don't they don't joke around in women's wrestling in Japan. Italian-Japanese. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, take a moment. I have refilled my whiskey because we are... <gasps> is it time? It is time. It's time. It's Omega time. That's... Dun, 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 dun. Wait, wrong person. Yeah, I think we've got that turned around. <laughs> but yeah, so a singles match for the IWGP United States Champion between Kenny Omega defending against Will Ospreay. Y'all, if you watch Oof. anything from this pay-per-view, watch this match. This this is a master class. This is, this is what people will use for tape in classes. Like, Chase, you will use this in their course, like, to teach people how to do... This is, this is beautiful. And I, 
I made an, a strong statement after this, and I stick to this. This is my second favorite, and only second favorite by a very, very small margin match that AEW has ever done. And the first one was the Cracker Barrel match. I'm always going to have a, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a love of just utter violence that that match was. But this match was everything, everything you wanted. Story, motive, timing, energy. I mean, just this match was just everything in a pinnacle, like, it, it it built incredibly from like <laughs> the, the words early... are gone like it's just amazing given the the first as far as i know the first match these two had was back in january of this year at wrestle kingdom where um kenny defeated uh osprey and took this title from him that osprey's now come back to reclaim and remember they hate each other in real life for reference, Will Ospreay is 30 years old, and he is tied currently for having the most five-star matches rated by uh, Dave Meltzer. He's he literally has, one year older than me. That's insane. He has 25 five-star rated matches. That's from Meltzer? From Meltzer. I, what? There's the old joke that anytime Meltzer gives something like a four-star rating, someone will say, ah, it would have been five if it was in the Tokyo Dome. Will Ospreay is a big part of the reason for that joke. Because that dude just turns well, out the five Well, he stars. deserves it yeah. because there's nothing wrong with what he does. No. Everything is landed perfect. Everything's in the right spot. Everything is communicated well. He and Omega, despite hating each other in real life, really, truly work together beautifully. It is astonishing that... By all reports, both men are in good health with no injuries after this match because the amount of trust you need the professionalism to have that they have for some of these spots. Yes, like the we'll we'll get to the uh, the tiger driver that that oh, Omega takes, but just across the that's board. That's the only thing. Oh but <sighs> my god, this match was yeah. unbelievable, y'all. Seriously, go watch it. Yeah, watch so. it three times. Take extensive notes if you're planning on becoming a wrestler. I think what like. works is they the thing that that drags the young bucks down a little bit for me. I don't, I don't hate them. They're not my favorite tag team because their spots feel sort of inorganic for setting up and things don't always feel like they land. There's like a good nap and a hit, but somebody's up again 30 seconds later and the match goes on. What Kenny Omega is really good at and what Osprey matches him at is they do these big spots, spots, these huge elaborate setups and they make them look like they hurt. It looks like... And like it's nothing for them to do at the exact yeah. same time. And when they get up, like the guy's back on his feet, but like for the rest of the match, that's something that's carried. Like this match went 39 minutes and it by was... minute 30, both of these guys looked like they could barely keep their feet under them. Like and... they were dying, yeah. but, but not in like, obviously in pain, but just more so because they were just so exhausted. Yeah. And like... They give their all. They really do. And it's uh, also like Osprey playing the heel pretty hard because Kenny is, uh, he's Canadian by birth. He holds. Oh yeah. He's, he's yeah. the hometown hero. Kenny holds uh, dual Japanese Canadian citizenship, but he is Canadian by birth. And um, yeah, so the crowd was very much there for Kenny and Osprey came in looking to work against that. He, his entrance was pretty cool. He's uh, oh yeah joined by Don Callis yeah. and a pair of military grade security guards, whatever that means. But was that not for him? Question mark? Unclear. Yeah, because they do more protecting of uh, of 
callous than they do of uh of osprey yeah, during the it, match yeah down callous of course becomes but, a little bitch and he runs away but as he's walking to the ring osprey he's like getting in the crowd's face he's you know doing a little bit of the uh of um oh i'm like um Shawn michaels at survivor series in montreal just that kind of, and he goes yeah, further with it. okay yeah, so does. osprey does a lot so first off he does that he's working the crowd on his way in um, at one point, he spots some kids in the front row, gets oh. in their face, and because this is after <laughs> Kenny has taken a real beating, and Osprey breaks off beating the crap out of a bloody Kenny Omega to go out and tell these kids in the front row just what he thinks of them. And then he spots some guy with a Canadian flag, goes over, grabs the flag from the guy, gets up on the ring apron, flips that thing between his legs, and flosses with it. And then... Why, why is that word? I wasn't expecting flosses. Flosses. That's disgusting. And then, which honestly... I, I watched it, but that description is I, disgusting. I would have switched the order of these two. Then he wipes his nose with it. <laughs> I would have done that the other way around, but that's me. He's British, so he does it very daintily. <laughs> there was also... Okay, there was also one thing... One nitpicky thing, I guess. <laughs> and, and continuing the trolling of Canadians, which I am in general favor of... Good... <laughs> He makes eye contact somehow with every person in that stadium when he puts Kenny in the sharpshooter. Oh, and when Kenny powers out, when Kenny powers out, yeah. Osprey dives for him, grabs Kenny's arm, traps it between his legs, and wraps his wrists around Kenny's face, putting him in not the LaBelle lock, not any normal stretcher, an unmistakable Crippler crossface. Wow. As the crowd starts chanting, You sick fuck, you sick fuck. And I love it. I love it. I well, love okay. It. <laughs> to, to take this in kind of a grim place for a moment. Wait. Do oh, you know? Is that that was no? Was that Chris Benoit's finishing it. move? No. And this pay per view happened on June twenty fifth. No. Do you know what June twenty fifth is the anniversary of? No. Oh God, is it? It's not the anniversary of the days that it happened. Oh, thank God. Okay. It's the anniversary of the day after it happened. When, when WWE didn't know the full facts and, and they, hosted a tribute show. No! So for that one day where Chris Benoit was talked about the same way that everybody talks about Eddie Guerrero. No! Yeah. So 16 years later, the day of, Osprey Os puts him in a crossface. See, guys, this is why it's so important to do your research. I think he did. The, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He did. And that's what made this match amazing because i didn't know that and now knowing it i'm even more obsessed and in <laughs> fact i might change my score because of that because that's real dedication like ring psychology is real it's important and it will make or break a match and it absolutely affected this match he had everyone hating him yeah but no one was genuinely hating him because all of his moves were incredible he absolutely nails everything he does i'm gonna say this I didn't give a shit about Kenny this match because I couldn't stop watching Osprey. Osprey is unmistakably just, he's going to take over this damn industry. He's so good. If when he decides to leave New Japan, yeah, there's going to be an incredible bidding war in, uh, in North America. <laughs> MJF always talks about his bidding war. Yeah. You're going to get stomped on, bro. Everyone uh, will want Osprey over you. There <laughs> like, was also a moment where and <laughs> I, I, you, you told me the night of to make sure I mentioned this on the podcast. Oh, yes, yes, yes. When uh, they go out to the outside and there was a spot at Wrestle Kingdom where Kenny um, 
took the uh, the cover off the table and then slammed Osprey's head through it. Oh, In this gosh. one, Osprey uh, takes Kenny outside, grabs his head, and sets him up to hit the that cover on the table. And I said out loud, oh, yeah, sure, just hit, bounce his head off the softest thing in the arena. Kenny's head hits that thing, and he just goes flat. He acts like he has no. been slammed into concrete. Because way- it did make a noise. Yeah. And because everyone just, um, went silent. I don't want to damage the microphones by, like, slapping my hand on the table, but it, it was just was a... Like- yeah. It was like that. And Osprey holds it, it for a second and then picks his head up and slams him down again, again and again. again. And when he when they're done, Kenny is bleeding. And while Dog said it was a blood pack, the report is that nah, both men bladed. No. Nah. Like, I went back and watched it again. I mean, I think Kenny should go get checked because his blood looks weird. But that's just probably because there's probably not much left in well, him because if, he's bled so much over his career. If he gets checked, Osprey should get checked too because, of course, after he works over Kenny, uh, and I think gives him a European uppercut at one point, he does a spot in the middle of the room where he flexes his bicep, Hepatitis. looks at it, looks at the hard cam, Hepatitis. takes a big old lick of Kenny's blood off his arm, Ugh. then mouths the word yum to Ugh. the camera. Hepatitis. All right. So, so many other diseases. For all that we've talked about the two men in the ring, there was, of course, a third participant in this, and it was Don Callis. But I want to go ahead and just say, like, y'all know I hate chicanery. This was a light sprinkling of chicanery that did not ultimately affect the match. That is, I think, what helps it. Because Callis, Callis gets ejected at one point after he grabs Kenny's ankle and the ref throws him out. Yes. He comes back later in the match, and the reason commentary gives that he's not being thrown out again is because the ref is too concerned with the welfare of the wrestlers to have time to deal with him. Yes. Bit, but bit no, but they bit. also say that he will be fine. And that he'll be fine. He'll be fine, which I was like, oh... Oh, this kind yeah. of that makes me nervous for the door that that opened, yeah. but I'm gonna let that one go. But so he comes in, and uh, Osprey has just taken a pair of V triggers. He's on the mm-hmm. rope, and Kenny goes back for a third one. Callus does like a, a, it's like from Disney's Pocahontas, where he like throws his body in there uh, to 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 block uh, to block the third attack. And Kenny looks at him for a moment, and it's just like. Why do you think this would make me less likely to do it? Charges back, goes in. Callus has to get out of the way as Osprey hits the third V-trigger. I'm laughing because one of that move, but I'm also laughing because I'm imagining someone just like like pasting on Don Callis's face to Pocahontas' yeah. face, and that's just messed up. That's just really messed up. But yeah, so uh, Osprey gets knocked out of the ring. Before Kenny can drag him back in, Osprey grabs him, and there's a little bit of a tug of war when uh, Callus slips Osprey a screwdriver, which has been sort of his recurring weapon yes. against Kenny. Kenny sets Osprey up for the one-winged angel. Osprey jabs him in the forehead. No, on the top of the skull. Top of the skull with the screwdriver. Uh, Kenny goes down. In the Os- living room. <laughs> Osprey hits Kenny with his Stormbreaker, which is his finisher. Kenny is out. He can't possibly kick out. This is going to be the end of it. Except when Osprey pulls Kenny's legs over to pin him. Kenny's boot happens to land on the rope. Just, it's not a it's, it's not, not a kick out. It's no. not something Kenny can do. Incredible storytelling. Yeah. Incredible. Because if the match had ended there, I would have I would have been a little ticked. Because just having Callus just come back again to cause the match to end, no. But yeah, so they get back up, they fight a little more. Osprey finally gets fed up enough to hit Kenny with a one-winged angel. He does the one-winged angel on Kenny, and his commentary tells us nobody kicks out of the one-winged angel except Kenny Omega at one, at one. Yeah, Kenny and he kicks kicked out, out at, one at one, and the because, crowd goes insane. And he hulked up. He hulked up after that because he's like, you're not going to do that move slapping on me, the, you Slapping the bitch. mat with his hands. 
Oh, oh my gosh, that just lit the crowd it up. It was amazing. And then, of course, yeah. and ultimately. Osprey does hit a third Stormbreaker. Oh. Or, sorry, I think it's the second one. And that and finally goes over. And he takes the belt. Yeah. And it was everything. And takes a moment to flip off those kids in the first <laughs> row. Those idiot Canadians those, who believed in their those hero. Those children in particular can go F themselves. Yeah, so just incredible match. Brutal, hard-hitting, 40 minutes long, but did not feel like... Are you ready for this? What's that? I have never done this on my podcast. I'm giving this six regals. I'm mm. going past the scale. Because this this match is everything and more and i and i hope to continue to see more of this 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 is the start of okay. incredible matches if osprey continues to stay shelby in here go for it i i think shelby when she watches this will a hundred percent agree with me this is a six on regal scale it's past the normal five so this is a six. My scale does not go higher than five, and I told myself I was going to be very stingy with five ratings, but this got one. Yeah, uh, I give it five. It's just, it is an this incredible match. This is a perfect match, guys. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Everything's executed perfectly. Storyline's great, and I can't wait to see more. I want them yeah. to rip apart each other for the rest of their lives. Well, they're going to have a tiebreaker. They have to because it's one and one now. I know. Is it going to be at All In? Is it going to be in Japan? Is it going to be somewhere else? We'll see. Yeah, London would be a great spot for it, It though. really would. Yeah. Because Osprey's also indicated he'd be up for challenging Seth Rollins at one point. Okay. I, I can see that, but also. Oh, I was going to say Osprey would be in his home, but that's not. he's from Australia, so never mind. I think, I think he's British. He is British. Yes. Aussie oh. Open are, are British, but Osprey's. Um, oh. Yeah. All right, so we are getting a little long on time. Yes, we must. We Although, must run. Uh, so I will say, yeah, the next match was uh, Le Suzuki Gods. So Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara against Sting, Darby Allen, and Tetsuya Naito. Um, I admit this was kind of the underwhelming match for me after the build of Jericho and Sting. Yeah. It. I think. I think the biggest problem. Um, Jericho is in phenomenal shape for his age, but he is still, like, he is r closer to the end than the beginning of all this. Sting has openly said this is going to be his last year as an in-ring performer. Okay, okay good. Because I, I wanted to make a comment on yeah. that. And I, I love Minoru Suzuki, but his his whole thing is just kind of being the rock that breaks his opponents down. He is not okay, a... but there was that really funny moment with him, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so what you had in this match were Sammy and Darby were kind of the two... Um, the dynamos in this match. Yeah. Like, and they weren't in it actually that much because they both kept doing big spots, which is kind of in their style. Like Sammy does a big, um, uh, six thirty splash to staying on the table on the outside. Uh, Darby does a through the ropes tackle right into a Judas effect, but they kept getting taken out. So now it's suddenly like, okay, sting and Minoru Suzuki have to keep the pace up. And it's just like, neither of these guys is going to run a hundred mile an hour match. And a six band match needs that energy. So, yeah, I, I think this is just sort of building the Jericho Sting feud. Why? Because they've never had one before. I know, I get it. Yeah. I think there's a reason. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, was, it wasn't terrible. Uh, there's apparently one one botch where um, Sammy went, uh, Sting had Jericho in, a, in his Scorpion Deathlock, and Sammy tried to do a cutter off the top rope to break it, and it seems like he may have just headbutted Sting straight on. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, so... That's rough. Yeah, so... um. What'd you rate this, dear? Yeah, I gave it two and three quarters. Again... I gave it a two. Yeah. I couldn't go any higher than that. It just... Yeah. Yeah, it... it, it, it the When you go down the, the roller coaster, you go, you know... Like in the uh, roller coaster in uh, Carowinds, the one that's the 90 degree drop down, uh, essentially... That's what that was. Yeah. That's what that match was. Yeah, it just, you it, were at the pinnacle, and then you were in hell. <laughs> and there was always going to be a drop-off after something like Omega yeah, and Osprey just put on. It's Honestly, this match got the reaction that I was kind of expecting Willow and Tony to get. And I'm, yes, I'm so happy that fair. they didn't. But yeah, so uh, love most of the guys in this match. Always happy to see Murder Grandpa. and Murder Grandpa. The way he just... Because Minoru Suzuki's attitude is normally just sort of seeming kind of having a pleasant feeling that he's about to murder someone. Yeah. But and just, he's happy about it. And then he'll go home and yeah. garden in his, in his backyard. But, and just his, the gameness, like he's just so game for whatever, like goofiness, Sammy and Jericho are into and just sort of sinks into that. And he had that great spot where he got hit and, um, he just turns and yeah, his face was face just, up. and then he smiled. All right. So yeah, I gave it two and three quarters. Two yeah. eagles. All right. Which brings us to our main event of the evening. There is no title on the line. It's not for a tournament. It is simply a singles match between two men who are regarded as possibly the greatest living professional wrestlers. The American Dragon, Brian Danielson, versus the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. This was in the wrong spot. Yeah, I'm sure there this were... This was in the wrong spot. I can't imagine the I backstage can't. discussions or arguments over whether Omega Osprey main events or it should have. Okada. It should have. This is the only thing that I had fault with with this pay-per-view. It was in the wrong spot. And it should have been where Osprey and Kenny were. I will only push back because when they planned this, they could not have known how the match was going to go. And the fact... Danielson has already said the the finish had to be rewritten because... Listeners, uh, Daniel Brian Danielson uh, <laughs> fractured a bone in his forearm yes. midway through the uh, about ten minutes before the match ended, oh. and uh, again haven't been able to see where it happened. But at a certain point, you notice that he is visibly favoring like his he right can't arm. Can't bend his yeah. arm, which especially nasty because um, Okada's finisher is like a ripcord lariat, which involves grabbing your opponent by the arm, spinning them out all the way, and, and pulling them sure in. And he sure didn't hold back on him. No, well, he did if not. if you watch it, he's he's letting Danielson lead, and he doesn't force him to extend the arm all the way. So he did. He protected him when they realized the injury had happened. Yeah, but up until then, and when he yeah. didn't know, yeah, no, he did not. <laughs> he did not hold back. But I do, I do think you're probably right. Again, we'll, yeah. we'll never know what the match was supposed to look like all the way through. But Omega and Osprey have just this personal intensity that just brings an energy to the crowd. And Okada and Danielson, they're playing chess. That's that's exactly what it is. This is this is a technical match. And technical matches, you know, in NXT, Shelby and I have talked about this extensively about how we feel about technical matches. And technical matches are great, but having it as a main event, I won't lie, y'all, by the time that it was, you know almost midnight i was exhausted and i fell asleep on you know karen dogs's couch and that's not saying that the match was boring it's just my brain was like i'm done yeah you you want a match 
at that point of the night, you want a match where just every 30 seconds you're like, oh my gosh, what? Oh, 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 like, man. I, like, like I don't go to sleep for 40 minutes after because I'm just on a, this like sick high. And he just that's dropped what... Kenny Omega straight on his head. Yes, and that, yes, yes, Will. Oh, we skipped past that, but yeah. We did. He, Tiger Will, Driver 91. Yeah, we said we were going to talk about that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, go watch that, guys. Uh, yeah, and then Lift and him then up pray. with a double underhook, drop him, Kenny he kind of scrunches his shoulders a little bit, but, but it's it is still basically just straight a top on his of the head, head landing. It's just straight on his head. Nasty move. And yeah, you, you <sighs> did not get as much of that with this match. Um, I will say it starts, it does start to get the crowd on its feet. because. Yes. but then it almost like slowed. Well, I'm, I'm not even talking about the match itself. I mean, when um, the contestants haven't even entered yet. Oh, yes. And you start to hear... A music that isn't the, it's not the Ride of the Valkyries remix that Danielson usually starts out to. Oh, goodness. Someone dun, was dun, so excited. And as it builds, there's like a, uh, a light ball pooling on the, on the screen that erupts into a flaming dragon as we hear, it's the final countdown. Because Tony Khan uh, shelled out what he has said it was basically the financial equivalent of signing an entirely new wrestler to the company. Shut up. To afford the final countdown, Brian Tony. Danielson's old Ring of Honor theme song Tony. for this one night. And when Danielson comes Tony. out, now Brian Danielson is a father. He is a married man with two children. He has held both of his children in his arms. I saw him on this show, and I am convinced he has never looked happier in his life. <laughs> Because just him coming out to that music. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he had his happy goat face yeah. on. He definitely did. But there's nothing wrong with this match. No. Technically, it's beautiful. Executed amazingly. Like, both of these guys just give everything that they have. It's, it's an incredible match to watch. Yeah, nobody... And I enjoyed it the next day when I had adequate, adequate amount of sleep. Let me... But it's in the wrong spot. Yeah, I think, again, we'll never know what the match was supposed to look like. But I, I mean, do even think, then. even in the best form, yeah, Osprey and Omega was always going to be the crowd on their feet match. The, the only thing I think is that Tony Khan's a mark, and these are like two guys that he is just an enormous fan of. Obviously, he loves Kenny. Obviously, he loves Osprey. But he's just been like in awe of Danielson, you, can, you know, for decades. Oh, and I don't blame him. Danielson is what made me join wrestling let me do one last quick rundown of okada's resume real quick oh yes please do so okada is a seven times iwgp world champion he's held both their heavyweight and their world heavyweight versions of the title he is a four-time winner of the g1 climax tournament including the last two years he has headlined wrestle kingdom the new japan's wrestlemania equivalent eight times he was the first Japanese wrestler to be ranked number one on PWI's list of the top 500 wrestlers in the world, which he did in 2017. His 2018 Dominion match with Kenny Omega received the first and only seven-star rating that Dave Meltzer has ever given. So, again, I had never seen uh, Okada wrestle. Uh, no, actually, he was in a four-way match at uh, last year's Forbidden Door. That was the first time I saw him wrestle. But, yeah, this guy is has a credible claim to just being one of the best in the world of this. He is only 35 years old. He is, uh, he is younger than Danielson. He is younger than Moxley and Kenny. Like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So please take care of your body, sir. Please. He's also got one hell of a drop kick. Like he's, yeah. oh, he can, from right. a standing position, he can jump and hit Danielson in the face while Danielson's on the turnbuckle. Like that guy's. Yeah. He, he can jump. Yeah. 
This match. Yeah. It's just, I just feel bad because this match is everything that you want, but it's just in the wrong spot and it's just because the pacing, like, but it's not the pacing, like the pacing is correct for a, for a match that is of this caliber. The pacing is right for a submission match. Yeah. But this spot was wrong and that's the only critique I have of it. Yeah. I think if it could all be done again, that would have been a good thing. And that's it. Like. That's but, the only thing I would change about this. Well, and then the sting. I will say, I'm 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 never a fan of wrestlers getting injured. But one of the things that captivates me the most is oh yes, and they're when, not getting injured. I'd like that not not right. happen. <laughs> but when it happens and a plan has to change on the fly, and the story they told with Danielson again having to protect his arm, he even uh, he even uh, did something he has almost never done since coming to AEW, which is he not only joined in a yes chant, he started it, and that's lifting the thing. only his left hand. To get the crowd going before he he went for we the running knees. We did talk about that because you had said, "Yeah, he joined it." And I said, "No, no, 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 he started yeah. it." and that is that is crucial. Yeah, Danielson never starts it. He also did the the thing that I wish he would stop doing, which is he takes a tombstone on the entrance oh, ramp I... from uh, Okada, and oh. not only does not get up immediately, his left <laughs> leg. and I rolled our eyes and our heads at the exact same time in the same way. <laughs> his left leg starts twitching. Okada picks him up and gets him back oh, into the ring, gosh. rolls yes. him in, and he's just a sack of potatoes. His fingers are kind of twitching. No, I want, Danielson, I want you to go back and I want you to take some more lessons on that because the seizure <laughs> that you did was terrible. Ah, you should feel bad about but it. But here's the thing. It was supposed to because it was supposed he's playing to be. I know. Cause he <laughs> buys himself a few seconds to recover. When Okada finally gets the all clear to pick him up, Danielson immediately ducks the lariat and comes off the rope with the running knees. Yeah, no, it so was good. I got worked. It was but a it ruse. Was really bad. <laughs> it was really, really, really yeah. bad. But overall, it ultimately comes down to... It comes down to a, uh, finally, uh, Danielson gets him into a label lock, and Okada is trying to, with his arms immobilized, trying to get to the rope. Um, he manages to work one arm free. Danielson grabs that arm, and again, the label lock, as I'm sure everybody remembers, involves both of your arms going forward to get around your opponent's face. He can't do that with his right arm, so he's basically hooking his left arm forward and bringing his right arm as far ahead as he can. His face visibly twisted in what has to like be very real, real agony real pain. to lock the move in. When Okada's almost got a uh, hand on the ropes, uh, Danielson breaks the hold, grabs the arm, pulls them both back to do a double arm stretch so that Okada can only try to reach the rope with his boot. And when he's almost got that, Danielson breaks the hold again, rains the anvil elbows down on him. That <sighs> BCC specialty reapplies the hold. Okada can't get to the ropes. He doesn't have the strength left to do it with his legs. And so for the first time since 2015... Since 2015! In a match with Shinsuke Nakamura, his last submission defeat, Okada taps out. Wow. Watching that on TV... And to your your guy, Kara, Nakamura. Yeah. Watching it on TV, it's a really great little story of just... Just two guys on the ground working through holds and like an attempt to escape and a counter to the attempt. On in person, it probably didn't read as well. It's just two guys kind of locked together. It you probably almost couldn't see him moving for the tap. Yeah. So I see why the crowd was a little underwhelmed by it. But especially considering the injury, I really enjoyed this match. I there, there's no arguing that you're right about where the it's in the wrong spot. But yeah, three so, and a half. I you know four. 
I will go. I give it four and a half, especially okay. working through an injury and yeah, having to improvise I mean, on the fly. I'm focused on the spot. Yeah. The match itself, yes, you're correct. This is a four and a half four yeah. match. This is a, but the spot made it wrong. That's why I wanted to go down. Yeah. But no, you're fair. It's a four match, and I can't fault it for the match. It's you know, yeah. it's for the spot. All right. So. And that's yeah. it. That was all the wrestling forbidden yeah. door. Y'all, this is a big long long pay-per-view yeah. Yeah. so this is a long match we got through in about half the time they did so good oh, for us gosh. all right so yeah overall um listeners i will tell you i have a mathematical system to score matches and i was trying to work averages for those to determine how i would score the overall card i don't really want to do that because i feel like a low scoring match on a pre-show shouldn't really drag down a show that had this many peaks or excuse me, yeah this many peaks and triumphs is this one tell me your type a without telling me your type a <laughs> well i'm type a so now i told you <laughs> but yeah so i'm gonna just go with my gut instinct and give this pay-per-view overall a score of four and a quarter snot covered canadian flags <laughs> gina what'd you give it <laughs> oh no snot uh covered canadian flags necessary for this one um I did not. Normally, Shelby will do the math for that. But overall, yes, this this was clearly a four regals. Like, this was hands down a four regals. Um, this was a great, great, great pay-per-view. But, Robert, for this is a takeover, we do EST, which is the best, the greatest, the, you know, fantastic-est. <laughs> um, what was your EST of this well, you know what? Let's do ignorant slut first. Oh, ignorant slut first. Let's do ignorant okay. slut first. Just, you know, we'll we'll end on a high note the way that the paper fusion <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <sighs> Who um, or what was your ignorant slut? Um, my ignorant slut is Mark Dion. Uh, I'm sure a perfectly nice Canadian gentleman who decided that he was going to wear a God of War style get up and choose the intimidating, fearsome warrior's name of Stu Grayson. Hey. Sure is a wonderful guy, but come on. Yeah. That's for you, Katie. Who that's, you got? That's a good ignorance slut. Mine's Sting. Oh. It's not. Listen. It just hurts to watch because. He's already said, he was like, I didn't want to do this. So I don't, it clearly is that Tony got to him and was like, you need to do this. This is, you know, like Sting's tired, man, y'all. He just wants to go home. Like, I get it. Like, Gina, I'm looking up into the rafters of Kayfabe Outpost 1 and Sting is looking down with great disappointment. I know. I'm sorry, sir. But you know I'm right. And it just, it hurt to watch. There were some, like, it, you know, like when he hit the ropes, like, you know, like Sting will always be one of the greatest wrestlers, you know, that our history has known. It's just, it's, it's time. And he knows, and I think that's the part that bothers me more. He knows it is. And he's already said it is. And it's like, just go have a nice ice bath, man. You deserve it. Like, yeah, he's... He's my sad ignorant slut. He's no. not really like my, he didn't do wrong. It's just like, yeah, man, like it's time. Like it's time to go. All right. Well, who is your EST of the evening? <laughs> do, do you even have to ask my EST? Hang on. I'm going to give his government name because I looked this up. William Peter Charles Osprey. <laughs> Born May 7th of 1993 is my EST of this yeah. pay-per-view. William, William Peter Charles is... Woo! Yeah, no. 
10 out of 10, as I would say. Usually yeah. I just would try to pick a different one to give some variety, but no. yeah, there's, there's no arguing. There's I mean, no arguing. Kenny did great, but Osprey yeah. just... Osprey is unbelievable, and I, it was, oh, so, I could go on for hours, and we're not. We're tired. It's time to go. But yes, EST, we're in agreement. Will Osprey. Congratulations, sir. Yes, indeed. All right. So the next event in pro wrestling's lineup is Money in the Bank from WWE. Oh, you didn't say it the right way. How do you say money? Money. But, but, but. Oh, are you saying, oh, I see. You're confusing with the, the last name of wrestler Re- yeah. Mercedes Monet. <laughs> yeah. No. Her name is not said like money. Money is just money. All right. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> For the bit. Uh, Money in the Bank is happening this weekend, and uh, I have no idea who's going to cover that yeah, because everybody is that. exhausted. <laughs> um, I just, uh, a family member of mine just had surgery. I have nieces and nephews to keep an eye yeah, on so this weekend. Yeah, we will weekend. be taking care of them. So, yeah, we're going to have to see if that's going to be a possibility. Uh, maybe Chris and Shelby will get together, although... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the kid will be walking by then, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, um, we're going to keep you all in suspense, but there will be more wrestling and we will be back soon. So I'm Robert Brafford. And I'm Gina Brafford. And remember, everybody, God never closes a forbidden door unless he's opened a forbidden window. And so keep an eye out for that. Wait, this has been This Is A Workover. And uh, you're fine where you are. You don't need to be called up the main roster. That got me so bad. I can't do this. Selby, I'm sorry. I really had it done, but he just messed me up. You don't need to be called up to the main roster. You're doing fine where you're at.